And a very good afternoon, folks. Welcome to another edition of Sports Central, Sunday the 5th of December. And all eyes are on the mountain, Mount Panorama. One of the biggest days, isn't it, on the Aussie sporting calendar, the Bathurst 1000. And uh, they are about to begin in a matter of moments from now. So we'll be right across that and uh, all the other big events of the day, inviting you to uh, get involved with the show. We're here for not four, but five hours. We're here all afternoon, right up until five o'clock today. Um, So uh, an invitation for you to uh, certainly be involved with the program. Um, You can get on the uh, open line. There's space there right now, 1300 01 1170. If you fancy having a chat, I won't bite. Uh, Or you can drop us a text, 0457 736 736. Now, in light of a couple of things that happened uh, last night or yesterday in cricket, and more specifically in the test match between New Zealand and India, which we'll go through in a bit, I'm throwing this out there. What are some of the wow moments in sport you know moments that really stand out for you and I don't care how far you go back and I don't care what sport they are in all right get your thinking caps on some wow moments um and you may have been at an event you may have been there when Aloisi scored that goal you may have been there when Kathy Freeman um won gold in 2000 let me know you may have been there when Jonathan Thurston uh, kicked the, the Cowboys to their maiden premiership. Or you may have been there when Andrew John snuck down the short side and put Darren Albert in in 97 to win the NRL grand final. Can be across any sport. Some really wow moments. Moments that uh, have stood out. You know, even, even like Fatty's catch. Were you there? Um, Steve Bradbury. Steve War, SCG 2003. Were you there? You don't have to have been there, but some that's what I'm asking you. Send them through 0457 736 736. Some wow moments. Now, uh, in cricket, Aussie coach Justin Langer has well, he's let his feelings be known, hasn't he? Re the, uh, the recent treatment of former skipper Tim Payne, uh, basically saying that he who hasn't sinned should cast the first stone. He's also given Pat Cummins the big thumbs up in his new role as captain, I see, of the Australian test team uh, going forward. And as for the fifth Ashes test, which uh, was to be played in Perth, well, let's just say um, he's less than impressed with the WA Premier's decision to hold firm on strict quarantine uh, quarantine protocols, which in essence uh, will rob Optus Stadium and WA uh, cricket fans of the prized event. Langer also uh, playing his cards pretty closely to his chest, Re-team selections, everywhere we look and read, we, we see Mitchell Stark and Travis Head uh, will be part of the 11 in, what, just three days' time at the Gabba. Uh, the Big Bash, it kicks off tonight. Well, it doesn't really kick off, does it? You know what I mean. Sydney Sixers, Melbourne Stars, they will open the new season at the SCG. Um, I hope the rain goes away. It's a bloody miserable day in Sydney town. So uh, drive safely out there, by the way, on the roads. And also welcome to our, our audience, our listeners up there on the Gold Coast through SEN 1620. We'll take a closer look at the BBL a bit later on. And still with cricket, I touched on it earlier. Um, what about what took place on day two of that second test between India and New Zealand? Yeah, being played in Mumbai. Two absolutely remarkable things happened. So first up, Black Caps Indian-born spinner, Ajaz Patel became just the third player in history to take 10 wickets in a test match innings. 
just remarkable. Joining bowling legends like Jim Laker and Anil Kumble. He finished with figures of 10 for 119 in uh, just under 48 overs. India, all out in the first innings for 325. And then, right, get this, just a couple of hours later, what about this? New Zealand, all out for 62. Hello? So India, 325. New Zealand, all out for 62. What... I wonder, what's our lowest test? What's our lowest test dismissal? The Aussies. Um, I'll do some research in a moment. Listeners, you let me know. Uh, our lowest test innings score. Yeah, New Zealand, all out for 62. And an hour after tea, so basically, um, they collapsed. 62 all out. And that's the lowest innings total ever recorded in a test in India. As I said, uh, supercars, Bathurst 1000, Chas Mostert. What an effort, my goodness. And this is another wow moment, as those two were wow moments in that test match. Chas Moss, he smashed the clock in qualifying to claim pole for the great race, which is just about to uh, begin on Mount Panorama. Uh, It's changed a few things too in the betting, uh, I'll let you know. Uh, And a huge weekend in motorsport for for all you rev heads, uh, the great race. We'll be uh, right across that um, and we'll bring you the start as well. Uh, coming out of our first break, we might go back and and look at some of the yeah, the memorable moments on on the mountain too over the years. A bit later on, um, I'm hoping to chat to Matt McKeldin. He's the host of Driver's Seat here on SEN. He's also a driver himself, and he was um, unfortunately pretty badly injured uh, yesterday. He drove in the morning one of the support categories, the Trans Am. He stacked it. Um, He's okay, but I think he's got a badly busted shoulder. He was in hospital yesterday. Uh, he said he should be okay for a chat. So we might try and get hold of Matt McKeldin um, a little bit later on in the show. Uh, two games down in the new NBL season. On Friday, the uh, the new boys, the Tasmania Jack Jumpers, they beat Brisbane Bullets uh, 83-74 in Hobart and Perth Wildcats defeated Adelaide 36-85-73. Last night, Southeastern Melbourne. Uh, far too good for the New Zealand Breakers, winning 89-65. to And uh, there are three games today in the NBL. The uh, 36ers play Illawarra Hawks. Uh, a new-look Sydney Kings side hosts uh, defending champs Melbourne United at Kudos Bank Arena. Uh, Tip-off for that one is at 3 o'clock, I think I'm right in saying. Uh, and that's Perth Wildcats against Cairns Taipans later on in the day. Uh, In the A-League, Sydney FC is still without a win. Three rounds into uh, the new season. Newcastle coming back to rescue a two-all draw in that match played uh, yesterday, last night at Cogra, or Jubilee. Uh, Brisbane Raw has picked up its first point of the season, held to a goalless draw with Adelaide United. And champions Melbourne City, uh, they've suffered uh, their first loss, going down 1-0 at home too, by the way, uh, to Western United. There are two games in the A-League today. The A-League men, I should say. MacArthur FC host Central Coast Mariners. Well, I say host. Um, now, that match is being, yeah, it's being played out at Penrith, isn't it? Penrith Stadium. Uh, if you want to get out there and have a look at some of the A-League action. And Melbourne victory play Perth Glory. Uh, former uh, Mariners player Adam Kosnick will join us a little bit later on too to uh, talk through all of those games in the A-League, uh, the ones coming up as well. And uh, we'll also touch on what happened overnight in the English Premier League. 
Now, boxing, bit of boxing news about today as well. Uh, this time last week, my God, it's been a, a roller coaster week, hasn't it? Was it this? Was a week? It was last weekend. Uh, we witnessed history in the making when our own George Cambosis Jr. became the first Aussie to claim all three belts in a single fight. Um, an epic split decision victory over previously unbeaten American superstar Teofimo Lopez in New York uh, to become the undisputed lightweight champion of the world. Uh, it was a victory described by Hall of Famer Johnny Lewis as the greatest achievement ever by a, an Australian fighter. And believe me, when you think about the, the stable of champions Johnny Lewis has trained, well, that really is quite a wrap, isn't it? Well, today in Vegas, there is another lightweight fight in the lightweight division, obviously. Uh, and the winner of this fight um, could earn the right, I think I'm right in saying, in taking on George Cambosis. Maybe, maybe even here in Sydney. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, former world champ Billy Dibb. He's one of the most respected names in Australian boxing he is going to join us a bit later on, around about 2.30, I think, to uh, to unravel some of the, well, sometimes confusing world of boxing. And, and I'll put my hand up. Sometimes I'm scratching my head as well. The alphabet soup of belts and titles. We'll ask Billy uh, to explain what all that means. And uh, from uh, the Rocked podcast, uh, Rocked podcast, uh, we will talk to uh, Mark Warren as well. Uh, so we'll probably have a three-way chat and uh, we might even extend that over a couple of breaks um, a fair bit of boxing news around. Now, last night, quite a few fights as well. And another unbeaten Aussie, uh, Jaya Patea, uh, who boasts a 20-0 record, I think. He's through to a, a world title shot at the cruiserweight division. Uh, he's been out of the ring for more than a year through injury, uh, but he's back. And there are a few other fights there last night as well. We'll go through all that with uh, with Billy Dibb and Mark a little bit later on. Rugby league-wise and uh, Parramatta fans, I'm, I'm keen to hear from you guys. I mean, your team is falling apart. Well, not for next year, but for the year after. Um, when I say falling apart, I mean, you've lost a few key players. Penrith also have lost a few key players. Melbourne have lost a few key players. This is what happens, isn't it, when there's a a new player at the at the at the table um when there's a, a, a yeah a new club coming in prices go up salary cap gets squeezed and uh, to stay under the cap you you've got to say goodbye to a few of your your key men that you you don't want to lose it's just the way it is it's business um penrith not so much uh, because of the the dolphins coming in penrith i think because prices have naturally gone up because they're premiers and there is a, a bit of a knock-on effect there in what players are now able to command if they're a, a premiership winner. But I see in today's paper, I think it was David Riccio, an article from him in The Telegraph, um, an article there, uh, Clint Gutherson uh, has admitted that he was never, ever going to leave Parramatta. Now, Gutho, last month, I think he signed a four-year extension, the Parramatta skipper, to remain in blue and gold. But he now says he was never going to leave Parramatta in the first place. Well, okay. I bet they wish they had have known that. Um, maybe it might have been a, a lower deal. Anyway, look, that's the way it goes. And, and Gutho just looks right, doesn't he? In blue and gold. Good to see he is staying. Also revealed, so I say Parramatta losing a few players. And Eels fans, please feel free. Give me a call. Let's have a chat. You're losing Reed Marnie to the Dogs. Isaiah Papali'i is uh, going to West Tigers. Murata Nakore, uh, 
Uh, where's he? He's going to the Warriors, isn't he? Now, they're all going in 2023. Uh, and those three players, um, Gutho has revealed that they gave a, an impassioned speech, if you like, to uh, their teammates this week on Wednesday. And in a nutshell, what they were saying is, look, fellas, forget where we're going in 2023. Our window for a premiership must be in 2022. So while the, the band is still together, Parramatta, it seems are very, very serious of hoping to uh, to win the Premiership next year. Eels fans, what chance are you? Come on, let me know. So again, I'm throwing it out there. I want some wow moments. You know, like Gussie Gould, the wow, 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 wow. Some real amazing sporting moments over the years, across any sport, across any decade. Some of the great sporting moments, wow moments, we'll call them. Uh, send through your ideas on the text line, 0457. 736-736. Or again, if you want to have a chat, the open line number, 1300-01-1170. 1300-01-1170. Good afternoon again, and welcome to Sports Central. But it's just strategy, it's car, it's driver, it's fuel, it's tyres, um, and it's sustained endurance over a long, long time. Concentration-wise, we often see some a number of crashes on the mountain. Hopefully, we don't see anything spectacular. And Chas Mostert, do you remember about six years ago? Uh, he almost died. Um, airlifted to hospital, broke a stack of bones, including his femur and, uh, and ribs, I think, and wrist. Airlifted to hospital. That was five or six years ago. And then yesterday goes around and sets the fastest ever lap. Quite a remarkable... Um, turnaround from Chas Moss. I'm reading the article here, actually, the, the headline. Um, Demons banished by um, in one historic lap at Mount Panorama. All right, well, joining us now on the line, and uh, I'm very pleased to say um, he's taken a bit of time out of his day because he's a busy, busy man, is David Riccio from the Sunday Telegraph. Riccio, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Christo. Mate, Happy to join you, mate. Thank you very much. I know it's sort of late notice as well, but I read an article yesterday and, and it prompted me to get in touch with you. And then I, I read a couple more things by you again today. And uh, firstly, um, are, you, are you a Revhead? You're a motorsport fan? Or, but I guess everyone gets up for Bathurst. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, well, look, I float in and out of, yeah. um, of, the, yeah, of the, the, that potent smell of petrol fumes, <laughs> Christo, gets up into the nostrils. No, but go. there is no other race like Bathurst. It is... I was going to say it's the race that stops the nation, mm. but that's the, that's the Melbourne Cup. But as far as cars are concerned, um, I know that there are Bathurst parties going on as we speak in yeah. lounge rooms, in backyards, yeah. uh, rev heads with their TVs yeah. uh, all around Australia, just glued for the next six, seven hours watching watching the cars. Yeah. I, I, and and I, I've been there, and it's it is a special place. It really is, and. Uh, obviously, it's been pushed back this year due to COVID, usually around October, but it's in December. And it's interesting that the weather is it's a bit similar to what it would be in October, where we know that up on the mountain, the weather always plays a part. So mm. I'll be tuning in later for sure. I've never been there. Never done it. Well, I've been there. I've driven around it as a kid with my dad, but I've never actually been to, to, to the uh, the event itself. Uh, I'm just picturing now. Um, and if you're at home listening to, you're in your backyard or wherever, you've probably got your esky chock full of Tui's new or VB. Snags already on the Barbie. 
I can see it now. I can almost taste it. Um, mate, let's uh, turn to something a little bit more serious um, now. And it was a touching story written by you yesterday. I, I've known about it because I'd written, I'd, I'd read rather about um, their misfortunes earlier on. I'm talking about Tavita Pangai Jr. Um, now with Canterbury and his partner or wife. I'm not quite sure. Anna, I think it is. They lost their 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 child 24 weeks into pregnancy, and that child I think would have been due to be born last week. It was a, it's a touching piece written by you, mate. Yeah, thanks, Chris, and all credit to Anna, um, Tavita Pankaj Jr.'s wife, um, on this story because uh, rarely do we do we see a young man willing to speak about something so gut wrenching, so, so mm. shattering as what has been. Um, the loss of their little baby girl, Georgia Pangai, last August. Uh, now, Chris, the, the, reason, the, story, the, the reason that this story drew, drew me to, to talking to the, uh, the Daily Telegraph editor mm. and Sunday Telegraph editor, Mick Carroll, about this story is the powerful words that Tavita spoke with, but also the maturity mm. um, in the fact that this is very much... Um, uh, it's a it's a seriously difficult topic um, for par- for parents of stillbirth to go through, but to also express mm. their words and converse with and, and and share their pain. It's very much an unspoken stigma, and to have a, a young footballer that has a platform to share his own story, but hopefully open doors for the for the discussion mm. around this um, heart heartbreaking topic. I thought it was seriously um, touching, but also powerful, and hopefully, uh, as I said, just opens doors and and creates that discussion point that that, that those parents going through this tough time mm. aren't alone. It's uh, and that's what Tavita spoke about. It's just hard to appreciate to fathom how they must feel if you haven't gone through it yourself. Thankfully, I haven't, but it's probably more common than than we uh, we know. Um, yep. and I know of other people who have also, also gone through it. So yeah, it, it affects everything and, and well done to you for writing and bringing it to our attention. Um, and for Tavita and, and Anna for also being prepared to talk about it. And he's, he mm. stepped out last night, didn't he? And, um, had his he first, did. his first fight actually. Um, and he mm. won as well. And, and there was a nice touching tribute after that victory, uh, and that fight in Brisbane. It, yeah. He embroidered the initials of, of little Georgia um, his his daughter that they lost uh, onto his boxing trunks last night, and that's mm. what I ultimately began this discussion with Tavita in my interview with him. He spoke about that and why he wanted to do that, and, and, and you know that's an easy that's a decision to make, Chris. He can either not embroider the initials of his little girl on those trunks, and we don't, and he's not sharing that story, and he's not creating this discussion. But he did do that. To, to have this effect, to have the to have the chat, to open doors, to to ha- to know, to let other parents know that there is support, mm. there are other people going through this, and that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to he wanted to use last night's boxing bout yep. as as another platform to speak about such a difficult topic. Yeah, uh, has gone through some troubles in his past. He's he's a young man. He's made some mistakes. Uh, he openly admits that as well. He's taken some time to mature as a person and as a footballer. He arrives tomorrow, Chris, uh, from Brisbane to Sydney, the biggest move of his career, uh, to, to spend the next three years with the Canterbury Bulldogs. I think they're picking up mm. a, a changed person. I really do. I think the past six months have changed Tavita 
um, and 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 allowed him to mature probably quicker than uh, other other young men at his age have, have had. Uh, I think they're getting a a pretty good pickup, not just as a footballer but as a person. Yeah, well done to Davida and you, mate, for for writing that 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 story. And he, he had some time out, didn't he? Even when he was at Penrith, there there were there was times during the year when he he had to take a break. And a lot of us probably thought, well, mm-hmm. why? But now we sort of know why. And um, hopefully they can move on. They'll always remember this. And any of our listeners out there that have gone through any of this, you know, it's heartbreaking. That number for Lifeline, if you need to chat to someone, thirteen eleven fourteen. Changing uh, topics, mate. Um, and I read an article today by you. You've had a chat to uh, Parramatta's uh, Clint Gutherson. Uh, I see that he's revealed um, that he was never ever going to leave the club. Gee, I, I bet the uh, the Eels number crunchers wish they'd known that. Hey? <laughs> <laughs> well, part of the negotiation tactics yeah. you only reveal uh, that type of um, that type of line of thinking after the fact, don't you? But look, I, I thought it yeah. was I thought it was uh, an indication of. I think it just shows some stability from from the more experienced player in that side. Now, he's obviously the, the Parramatta Reels captain, Clint Gutherson, but I just I thought it, the words that he used, I think it, it indicated that, you know, yes, they're losing some players, but it's not all rocking and rolling at the Eels. Mm. Clint Gutherson, there's no doubt in the world he could have left. He, he would have picked up another club in a heartbeat. But he did. He spoke about that today. That he, he never wanted to leave. He wants to be that first captain that leads the Eels to their first premiership in 36 years. Um, he had some other opportunities, but believes in this current roster. Certainly in the next 12 months, uh, and 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 has faith in 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 management to replace to recruit uh, these three players that have obviously made headlines in the past few months that are leaving. Reid Marnie. Murata Neokore and Isaiah Papali are mm. leaving, but Gutherson spoke about um, how how he does have belief that, that not only will they have a successful season next year, but the club will be able to recruit to replace them. And they've all given a speech, have they, those three fellows that are leaving? Yeah. Mm, nice. Yeah, a, a pact, you could you could call it, Chris, uh, those three boys. Now, uh, you know, as rugby league fans and supporters, they get immediately worried that three players that won't be there in the following season have already got their minds on the job yeah. with that other club. Mm. That's what fans fear. They think that these players will switch off. That's it. And won't be focused on doing the job for, for the 12 months of, of their remaining contract. Mm. And it was pleasing to hear that those three boys all fronted the entire Eels playing group and said, no, we're here, we're here, mm. we're sticking around and our mind will be on the job and we're going to get this job done. Well, there you go, Eels fans. There's some good news, isn't it? They're, they're not thinking about uh, 2023 or, or greener pastures. They're thinking about 2022. i got a text here. David Riccio on the line, by the way, from the Sunday Telegraph. Uh, g'day, this is from Yepi. Uh, g'day, Chris. Do you know the Real Madrid away jersey looks very Parramatta-ish? Well, I don't know. I haven't mm-hmm. seen the Real Madrid away jersey, Yepi. So I don't know, but I'll take your word for it. Um, talking about players leaving clubs and the cheese, the hectic cheese. We know he's going to the Roosters next year. I, I don't know how it's going to sit with him at Melbourne um, Storm for 2022. I read yesterday that the the Storm had maybe approached West Tigers to try and offload him. I read in another publication, other clubs had been approaching Melbourne to try and uh, sign him for a one-year deal before he goes mm-hmm. to the Chooks. Have you heard anything? Yeah, look, certainly there's been some dialogue, and and look, I'll put my personal opinion forward, Chris. I think the Eels, uh, sorry, the, the Melbourne Storm, mm. should let Brandon Smith go. I think the the comments made during the week um, on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if the Melbourne Storm 
uh, believe in their culture, believe in their standards, uh, to have a player openly declare um, how much he wants to win a premiership in a rival team's jersey 18 months away, I, 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 that doesn't sit well with me. And I'd let him go, and I'd wear the pain. They have Harry Grant at hooker that can cover the role for at least the next 12 months. I'd wear the pain, but also uh, use this opportunity to, to throw some money up in their cap. Now, that discussion, you know, whether the Storm have gone that far, there's certainly been some, some chat about if they got a, a like-for-like replacement, a player of, of, of star quality, then they would certainly entertain letting Brandon Smith go early. And that's where the discussion around big Stefano at the West Tigers popped up. And the Tigers have no interest in letting Stefano go. They want to they want to re-sign him, and they're very much down the track of that. And and really, that's where the discussion started and stopped with the Storm and the Tigers. It was it was more more likely the Storm saying, "Look, if there's one player we would take, it would be Stefano." The Tigers said, "Well, that's not going to happen," and that's where the discussion stopped. But I think there's a little bit more water to flow here as far as the Brandon Smith situation. We're going to It'll reach ahead in the next 24, 48 hours. Chris will know where the storm sit with Brandon Smith once uh, he sits down with Craig Bellamy. Mm. David, Ricky, mate, thanks for, for giving me a few moments, hey, and our listeners as well uh, on, on a Sunday afternoon. So uh, appreciate that. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Chris. Enjoy about this day, mate. Will do, will do. There he is, David Riccio from uh, the Daily Telegraph and the Sunday Telegraph as well. Um, I'm just looking around uh, to the uh, the screen, give you an update there on Bathurst uh, 1000. Seven laps of 161 down. And, uh, well, Lee Holdsworth, he's, uh, he's, he's leading the charge, isn't he, Lee Holdsworth? So he's out in front. So Mostert will uh, be taking over a little bit later on. Holdsworth out in front. Of, uh, of Tanda in second position. Uh, eight laps now through at Mount Panorama. A break, and when we return, we're going to talk some cricket. Yeah, the Bathurst 1000, it's, uh, it's, it's away, isn't it? Ten laps through. Lee Holdsworth is out in front. Garth Tanda is uh, just behind him in second. And Alberto in third. Slade in fourth. So we'll keep you uh, across that. Uh, we are going to talk a bit of cricket uh, now, though. And, uh, well, the Ashes test at the Gabba. It's only, uh, well, it's a matter of three days away. Uh, Sunday, Monday, three sleeps. Yeah, there you go. I'm good at my maths, aren't I? Three sleeps until we take on the Poms in the first of five tests at the uh, Gabba. And uh, you, I don't know if you have heard, but um, Justin Langer, he's been very outspoken on a number of things. Mostly, though, um, not impressed at all. Not impressed in the least in the way that uh, former keeper and captain Tim Payne has been treated in the wake of his sexting scandal. Let's hear from Langer first. He's uh, one of my really close friends and someone I admire enormously. In He's probably, certainly in this generation of players, he's one of the best people I've met in the game of cricket. And so, he's, as I said, he's been our captain for a long time. He and I have been through a journey like we have with all this group. I think when I saw him, um, he's obviously shattered with what's happened um, because he's been such an exemplary figure in Australian cricket for the last four years particularly. Um, you know, his life's changed, obviously. So, um, But you have to ask him how he's going. All I know, it was important to go and see him. We talk about looking after our boys, having each other's backs, and it was a no-brainer for me to go and see him. I'm not sure we've seen the end of him, but we'll wait and see. That'll be his decision. We live in a world of perfectionism, don't we? We're a very judgmental society. And as I said, when I first, my very first press conference, when I was asked about Steve Smith and David Warner, 
and Cameron Bancroft. There's not one person who's asking questions here or who's, who's um, on the camera there or who is listening to this or who is watching this who hasn't made a mistake in their life. There's not a single person. And our captain, one of the best, made a mistake and he's paying a heavy price for it. And, it, and what I see, I continually see in this job and I see it in the, the society we live in is it can be brutal and but you, you that's you learn your lessons but we live in an unforgiving society and that's a real shame it is a shame but that's the way it is and there's Justin Langer not holding back um, I can see quite a few hands up he who hasn't seen throw the first stone my hands up uh, Ju- Justin your hands up and all of our all of our listeners their hands up including our next guest and that's Andrew Menzel from uh, Cricket Unlimited podcast Andrew thanks for joining the show uh, you can put your hand down now <laughs> G'day Chris how are you Good mate hey it's been a crazy build up to the Ashes and we're only a few days away I mean my goodness there's been some drama Yeah there's been drama occurring for both teams England engulfed in a racism scandal and Australia have had a sexting scandal. So it hasn't been a lot of talk about the cricket, but I think we're in for a a ripping series on the field. I think the the quality of cricket is going to be exceptional. And I think a lot of people are selling this English team a bit short. I think they could um, Mm. punch above their weight, so to speak. Mm. Um, Justin Langer was uh, very, you know, cards close to chest on team selections, but everywhere we read, it, it seems to be that Mitchell Stark will be there for for the Gabba test um, and Travis head over, over Kawaja. Is that how you expect it to play out? Yeah, that seems to be the way the selectors are going. It seems to be that they're going to give Stark a chance to get into the series. And he performed so well with the pink ball, which is the second test. So I think they're hoping that if he can start well at the Gabba and then take that form into the Adelaide test, Australia have got a real weapon in the armory. And I think they're just banking on the younger player with Travis Head. I think it's clearly a very tough decision for George mm. Bailey and the selectors between Kawaja and Head. But I guess if you're a selector, when you're faced with those line ball things, you usually go with the younger player. So they've gone with Head. Mm. It's, it's a position the five um, Head's been there. Kawaja's been there for longer. We, we've never really had someone in the, you know, the last five years or more that's locked that down and made it their own. No, the, the middle order's really um, sort of changed a lot over the last few years, and that's been one of the real areas of concern mm. for Australia is trying to get some stability in that five and six position. So they seem to have answered one question. They've got Cameron Green mm. in at six, who's, who's playing exceptionally well in domestic cricket and seems to be someone that will just get better and better with the bat and ball at test level. And they're just looking for that last piece of the puzzle. You know, Labashane's emergence in the last two years has solved the number three position. So when you've got Labashain at three, Smith at four, that's a pretty handy three and four. So then it's just um, they need someone at five who can come in and stabilise and average about sort of mid-40s at test level. Mm. So we, we pretty much know, uh, well, we know who's keeping, Alex Carey. We, we know Stark is in. We know Head is in. We know all that. Um, the only question now, I guess, is the fifth test. It doesn't look like it, it can possibly be in Perth. No, it would seem after Mark McGowan's comments during the week that uh, that, that, that won't be happening. The, the real problem for um, the, the Ashes test is not just the, the actual cricketers and getting exemptions for them, but it's all the other stuff like the TV broadcasts and the radio broadcasts. And 
there's just not enough people there to even get that up and running. So I think we'll need to see some alternatives uh, floated up. And I'd actually like to see them go with a big venue like the SCG or the MCG. I think cricket has been uh, really had a tough couple of years with COVID. The bottom line, a lot of money going out the door to keep these bio bubbles. If you can make an extra 10 million on the gate at a big venue, I think you've got to do that ahead of Hobart. Well, I agree. I must be admit I'm a little bit surprised that Tasmania were had the had the gumption, if you like, to throw their hat back in the ring after all that had just transpired with uh, them being highly critical of, of Cricket Australia and, and, and Tim Payne and the whole situation. But they were... They were still in the fight and still are in, in the fight as well. But I agree with you. I think it's got to be Sydney or Melbourne. And I'd love it to be Sydney. But if we're going to go on capacity, well, um, it's a good chance Melbourne will get it. Yeah, I think so. But I would be very worried if they decided to make the fifth test a pink ball test. Mm. I understand, again, if you're looking at the bottom line, then there'd be more revenue advertising-wise if they did go for a day-night test. But yeah. I do think that gives England too much of an advantage for that final test. We know how good Jimmy, Jimmy Anderson is yeah. with the pink ball. We saw it last time. And I just don't think we'd want to give them a little advantage in that last test, especially if it's still alive. And, uh, you know, they could sneak a win under lights. That'd be a disaster. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. Okay, how old is he now? He must be about 50, is he? 60, Jimmy Anderson, but he can still swing it. Oh, he, he, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how old he is. Um, I think he's, um, you know, born just before World War II. Um, but, he, he, you know, you're right. He's, he's a, a master craftsman. And the English attack actually has some pretty astute bowlers in there. You've got Anderson, Stuart Broad. Between them, they've got, you know, a 1,000 international wickets plus. And then you add in uh, Ollie Robinson, who's a tall, quick like Josh Hazelwood. I think he'll be a handful on the Aussie pitches with the extra bounce. And then you've got Mark Wood, who was giving a bit of stick to the baggy green during the week. So I'm sure he'll fire up uh, with the new ball at some stage. So, yeah, they could knock a few um, Aussie batters over cheaply for sure. All right. Uh, I'm talking to Andrew Menzel, by the way, of um, Cricket Unlimited, the podcast. Um, unfiltered. Unfiltered. Cricket Sorry, unfiltered. did I say unlimited before? I think I you might. did. I think but I did. Jeez, you're having my co-host on later on, Jaleesa Apps. I, I know. She's coming on as well. So well, she's my co-host. Cricket Unfiltered. She's my, she's my co-host, Andrew. She's my co-host. <laughs> she's very good. Very good. Knows her stuff. She's out, <laughs> she's out there at the Bathurst, so I hope I can find her. Uh, she was enjoying the... I hope you can hear her. Yes, she's that too. Well, she was going to so. dive into a tent out there of some family she didn't even know. I said, just be careful. Um, just be careful <laughs> doing that. Just quickly, mate, on the um, Cricket Unfiltered, okay? Cricket Unfiltered, the podcast there. Um, so the 11th edition of the Big Bash, it all starts tonight at the SCG, weather permitting. Uh, Sixers against Melbourne Stars. And I think Sixers have, have the wood over the Stars, certainly in recent years. Yeah, it's a blockbuster to start the tournament off. You've got the Sixers looking for a, a three-peat um, to, to um, you know, just have an incredible run if they can do it. And then they're up against the, the star-studded, Melbourne Stars lineup that last year crashed out early and didn't make the finals. So they come in with a lot of pressure, but they do have, you know, World Cup winners like Zampa, Stoinis and Maxwell. Mm. So it's going to be a ripping game tonight. I expect the Sixers will do well this tournament. But, you know, the Stars are the sort of team when they get on a bit of a run, they're hard to stop. So, mm. uh, yeah, really good match to start the tournament at the SCG. And just quickly, mate, there's a few English stars as well um, that will light up the stage, so to speak. Yeah, the Sydney Sixers have signed a few English players. So they've got Tom Curran, 
They've um, added Chris Jordan this week, who's replacing Carlos Brathwaite. Mm-hmm. And then James Vince, James who Vince. was the player of the match in the final last year and an exceptional batter. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a very Pommy-influenced side for the Sydney Sixers. They haven't made any other changes from the Premiership-winning team last year. So uh, they've put faith in them. The old stages like Dan Christian and Steve O'Keefe. Uh, so it's going to be fun to watch. Andrew Menzel, mate, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. From uh, Cricket Unfiltered, Cricket Unfiltered podcast. You can find that wherever you get your good podcasts. Enjoy the rest of the day, mate, and thanks for thanks for joining us here on Sports Central. Thanks, Chris. Good luck with Julissa. <laughs> Thank you. A break and back with more. Yes, it is. Coming up to six minutes to uh, one o'clock. Great to have your company. Look, I'm asking for wow moments, okay? Wow moments. Is it wow? Wow! Wow! <laughs> yes, thanks, Gus. Thanks, Gus. So, some great moments in sport that have really caught your attention. And like uh, AJS Patel did last night, taking all, or yesterday, all 10 wickets for New Zealand against India. It was a real, a real wow moment. Just to the mountain we go. Lee Holdsworth is out in front. Uh, so Mostert not driving yet. Holdsworth out in front. He leads by about six or seven seconds on Garth Tander. A break and back with more. Too. We'll, we'll, we'll take you back and forth from the mountain right throughout the afternoon. We're here until five o'clock, so plenty for us to do. Um, but just to update Lee Holdsworth, he's still out in front. Um, Mostert obviously claimed pole position, so that's where they are, and Holdsworth is is driving at the moment. But what Mostert did yesterday was, was quite remarkable, wasn't it? Uh, quite remarkable indeed, um, given his history uh, on Mount Panorama. He, he won the, uh, the 2014 edition, um, and he blitzed them yesterday. So he started from pole after smashing um, the records in a, in a, in the top ten shootout. Um, so he drove the uh, Walkinshaw Andretti uh, United Holden Commodore um, around Map Panorama, two minutes point uh, three and three seconds point three seven. Uh, it demolished the previous fastest lap at the course of two o three point four eight. And that was set by Scott McLaughlin in practice five uh, back in 2019. But it just goes to show you too with, with Mostert, and I was saying earlier, um, what he's had to overcome and, and get some of those mental demons out of his head because of a horrific crash about five or six years ago. Uh, I'll go through that actually in a bit with you just to refresh your memory. Um, can you imagine though? Can you imagine going back? Well, he's done it plenty of times since, but it would just be harder, I would have thought, to get that sort of stuff out of your head. Multiple broken bones, airlifted to hospital, and you know, lucky to come out of Bathurst uh, alive back in, well, I think it was 2015 or, or 2016. But I'll go that through. What it brings me to, though, um, so the fastest ever lap, the fastest ever lap at Mount Panorama, and it happened uh, in the last 24 hours by Chaz Mostert. So that's got to be a wow, a wow moment, hasn't it? I'm asking you. Is it wow? Yeah, it's a wow. wow. It is. <laughs> Yes, I know, Gus. I know, Gus. It it has to be a wow moment because it's never happened again. And something else that I thought was a wow moment in the past um, 24 hours too, if you've been following your cricket. So send them through, guys, girls, boys, ladies, gentlemen. 0457 736 736. 
I want to. I want you to send me through your wow moments. Something that just you know, for whatever reason, and it doesn't have to be the greatest moment in Australian sport. It's just a a moment that is really significant for you. You might have been there or watching it on telly, or for some reason, it has some special significance. There's been so many, and that's why I'm asking you guys. Help me out here. Help me out here. So we had Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson. Buster Douglas was about forty to one from memory. Um. In 1990 or 89, 90, uh, we had a chap there before, uh, Statsy from Freshwater. He was in a bar on the booze in Bali. There's a bit of alliteration there, isn't it? Well, I'm assuming Statsy was in a bar on the booze in Bali, but he was certainly in Bali and in a bar. So it, logic follows he was on the booze. Thank you. Yeah. Um, anyway, so send them through. Keep them coming through. Um, and uh, Paramat got your text. Steve from Padstow got your text. We'll read that in a moment as well. Uh, here's a wow moment. Uh, Steve, here's, your, here's another one from Steve from Padstow. Good afternoon to you, mate, as well. Uh, wow moment. Peter Brock winning Bathurst start to finish all by himself. Uh, well, Brocky did it so many times, didn't he? But start to finish. See, uh, you've got me here because I'm not a you know, avid motorsport fan, but... Um, he was the best in my time. You know, I know, you know, Jamie's won seven championships. Um, but yeah, you know, in my time as, as a kid, it was all Brock. It was all Brock. We might go and dig that out for you, Steve, and, and play a bit of that. We'll play a few other moments on the mountain uh, across the afternoon, but another wow moment. And this is where I'm, I'm coming from was, um, this New Zealand spin bowler last night, yesterday, Ajaz Patel. So he's become just the third player ever, and ever's a long time. I should say in history, third player in history. That's more correct, isn't it? Third player from the past in history, time that has been already. Because when you say ever, well, that implies the future too, doesn't it? Anyway, sorry, that's just my own little, I'll get over it. Third player ever in the history to take 10 wickets in a test match innings. Just remarkable. Uh, And the irony of it all, yeah, New Zealand, uh, but he was born in Mumbai, yep, where the test match is being played. Um, he finished with figures of 10 for 119 off 47 overs and five balls. Just incredible. So that was in the first innings of the second test against India. Um, he's 33 years of age and he broke Sir Richard Hadley's record of nine wickets in an innings for the Black Caps. It drew incredible praise, and now this is, I'm reading this, you can probably tell that, uh, from Aussie T20 World Cup winning captain Aaron Finch, labelling the 10-wicket haul as the most amazing thing I have ever seen. And that implies to me, Finchy, that that's not just in cricket. That's anything, ever, anywhere. The most amazing thing I've ever seen. 10 wickets. I mean, it is quite crazy, but what else is quite crazy is after India posted 325 and Patel took all 10 wickets, all of them, um, 325 the Indians posted in Mumbai. In reply, the Black Caps were dismissed for 62. Yep, that's all they got, 62. I better dig out the score too because I uh, haven't got what it finished at stumps. So going into uh, day three. I'll find that for you in a moment. I won't uh, bother doing that now. Uh, but, yeah, so there's some wow moments. And uh, I'm going from yesterday, Chaz Mostert, wow, fastest ever lap. And Ajaz Patel, the 
Indian-born New Zealand spin bowler taking all 10 wickets against India in his place of birth. Wow. I reckon it's a wow. Uh, some other wow moments over the years, all right? We've dug out a few, and these are just off the cuff. I'm relying on you guys, our listeners. Come on, send them through, and we'll dig them out. We'll dig them out for you. Uh, but a few that come to mind. The King of Spin, Shane Warne, taking his 700th test wicket. Joey Johns, if you're listening to, you'll like this one, mate. And I know he's a regular listener, Joey. Regular listener to this station. Follows his brother. I mean, obviously, his mornings with, with Maddie. Uh, what do they call that? Uh, morning, morning Glory. Morning Glory. On Fridays, uh, 9 right. to 12. Morning Glory. That, that's got implications, hasn't it, the name of that? You would think so, but I know it's an Oasis song. Oh, there you go. Good band, Oasis, too. Uh, JP, I haven't welcomed you to the house officially. That's all right, Chris. You are here. Yes, I'm here, and I'm just happy it's not raining. Job. It's not raining. Doesn't matter. We've got a roof on it over our head. That's also true. It was raining on the way in, though. Tipping yes. it down. Mike, what's going on? What's going on with the weather? Up on Mount Panorama, though, it looks to be dry, isn't it? We're going to talk to Jaleesa Apps, actually, in about, I don't know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, if we can find her. Like yesterday, we spoke to Jaleesa from, she's Channel 10 sports reporter. So... Who have got the rights? Fox have got the rights and Channel 7 have got the rights. To it's a shared broadcast. Shared arrangement. Righto. So she was telling us yesterday when she came on that she's not really allowed in there. She's only allowed to go certain places. What if she just covered up the Channel 10 badge on her jacket? What if she went and stole someone's Channel 7 jacket? Now there would be some news. That would be good, wouldn't it? Down pit lane and takes one of the one of the seven reporters jacket throws it on walk anywhere go wherever she wants into all the garages yeah we'll try and find Jaleesa Rapp she was out there yes as I said she was sort of um making friends shall we say on the mountain uh, with the thousands out there that they do it well they pitch their tents a lot of them are there for a week and you're allowed a, a slab each for each day so Oh, imagine that. Can you imagine having a slab a day for a week out there, living in a tent? No, thanks. No. Anyway, Jaleesa was making friends, and they were inviting her to come and stay with it because she's staying in a, I think she described it as a, a cosy motel, but I think it's more ramshackle than cosy. It's probably one of those motels, you know, like Psycho, yeah, Norman Bates. You know, I haven't those, seen it. Oh, haven't you? No. And I think it's another movie called Motel. You know, like those American movies and they stop over on the freeway and they're just dodgy as. And oftentimes there have been serious crimes committed in those. I don't know. No, she's, I'm sure she's staying in a nice hotel. But she was offered the chance to stay in a cosy tent uh, with, a, with a random family. Anyway, my point is, and i sorry for sort of getting off track there. My point is we will be talking to her a little bit later on. Um, I was going to say one of the other wow moments, and that's where we were going with Joey Johns, probably listening. And Newcastle fans, you remember this. You remember. You probably you probably had this in your sleep every night when you put your head on your pillow. You you dream back to 1997 and Darren Albert scoring the winning try. Jackson. Matthew Johns. Arco's got friends in high places, Gary. Never forget that. Jackson away for Harrigan. 
now. Fifth tackle. This is it. And the charge. Andrew Jones. Here it is. And, oh, knocked down by Manley. Six more tackles. There's 20 seconds on the clock. Albert, he will play it. 21 metres away. Down the blind, Andrew Jones. Inside for Albert. Albert will score. Albert will score. Newcastle have won the grand final. Albert is over. Manley has been beaten by Newcastle on full time. Six seconds to go. And Albert has scored an incredible try. Wow. Wow. And I was there. Rabs, well done, mate. One of your best. One of your best. Uh, I was there. What a wow moment. Uh, that was scored in the, the southwestern corner um, at ANZ, was it? I was over on the other side uh, with a couple of my mates. But a wow moment. Darren Albert. Yeah, uh, so you get the gist. Um, send them through. What are your wow moments? Uh, let's let's go for another one, shall we? Before we go to a break, we're going to talk uh, some football next. Adam Kwasnick, we're going to get hold of Adam and talk about the A-League, the matches that have already been played this weekend in round three and also those yet to come. I want to do one more first before we go to the break. And come on, guys, girls, 0457 736 736. That is the, uh, the text line. Send me through your wow moments in sport, any sport, any decade. Don't care. Uh, I want to do one more before we go to the break. And I can't even remember what year it was. It was 90s, I think. It was, and I can't swear, but it was cricket and rugby league combined into one. Fatty's catch. That's in the air. Who's underneath that one? This is going to be a catch, is it? No, it's... Oh, what a beauty! That is unbelievable! He's got underneath that one-handed. Borden's a legend. Have a look at the crowd there. You won't see a bit. We'll have to include this in the classic catches. Well, he's brought this game alive. Paul Gorton with one outstretched hand. He's left a fair indentation where he's landed, but who cares? There was a set trap here. Langer bowling the full toss for Tim Horan on his leg side. Gorton making great ground here, looking up, never taking his eye off the ball. And out goes the big Duke, and that is the greatest fluke in cricket history. At the Gents this season, he's wearing the cap armband, but that's well played from Retre in for Adam Lefondre, who goes round Jack Duncan. Penalty for Sydney. Adam Lefondre will have a guilt edged opportunity. Lefondre against Duncan, and Sydney have their goal. Sydney have the lead. Eight minutes in, and the home side are in front. Lefondre into the area now. Close down. White shirts everywhere. Lefondre does brilliantly, though, and counts over. That's the second. A little touch for Ewell, it's a lovely ball, perfectly weighted, and Newcastle are back in it. ...this season, Tino Ewell, onto the left, mark, and he's done it! From nowhere, the Tino Ewell show! Woo-wee! it beautifully into the path of Dylan Wenzel-Halls, Western are on the attack, Dylan Wenzel-Halls! That is a sensational finish! And Western United take the lead, and it's two goals in two for Dylan Wenzel Halls. Yeah, there you have the A League uh, from last night. Three games were played, and uh, to talk all about uh, soccer, the round ball game, Adam Kwasnick joins us again on Sports Central. Good afternoon, Adam. Thanks for joining us, mate. 
Good afternoon, Chris. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. We'll talk a bit of Premier League too, if we can, at the back end of, of this show. But if we just uh, go through those uh, those games from yesterday, and, and firstly, Sydney FC, uh, a draw with Newcastle Jets. That match played at Cogra. Um, not a great start for the Sky Blues. They're still winless now after three rounds. Yeah, look, I think there's a little bit of concern in the Sydney camp uh, yet yet to win uh, this season, but it was it was it was promising. Um, they came up against, in my opinion, a very good Newcastle Jets team, and and they've turned the corner since Arthur Pappas has has been in charge uh, at the start of this season. They uh, they lost their first game. Um, they had a draw last week against the Wanderers, and they deserved. Uh, a point at the very least against Sydney last night. Uh, it was a fantastic game. Uh, towards the end, Sydney had a disallowed winner, controversial VAR ruling. Right ruling? Offside. Oh, mm-hmm. look, by the by, the letter of the law, yes, mm. but the rule itself, uh, for me, it, you know, that's the type of rule that you want to sort of scrub out of the game, mm. and you want to you you want to favour the attacking team. You want to uh, factor in goals, mm. um, and unfortunately, it wasn't the case last night. But a very entertaining game, and I think a fair result in the end. That's the uh, the fiftieth meeting between those two sides in in the A League. I think I read that somewhere. So. So Sydney were up two two nil, weren't they at half time? It's a pretty handy yeah. lead, isn't it? They they'd be bitterly disappointed that 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 they've only come away with the uh, with the one point. Uh, agree, and mm. you know at two nil, um, and I said it during the call that there was there was a chance there for Sydney to to very much go on with it. Uh, that being said, you know the Jets turned it around in the second half, and you know it was it wasn't a tale of two halves. The Jets were always promising in attack. But some individual mistakes really cost them early on. But they were able to get back in the game. And, and as, as I said, I think a draw was, was a fair result in the end. Mm. Uh, elsewhere then, and, um, well, reigning champs. So Sydney had a very slow start to the season. This is round three. Um, the reigning chance, Melbourne City, coming off a, a two-all draw with Adelaide, I think. And they've been beaten, gone down at home. Western United winning 1-0 at Amy Park. Yeah, this one was somewhat of a shock to, to some of the fans. But for me, it all started last week against Adelaide. You mentioned the two-all draw. The way mm. that game ended, uh, you know, they basically threw away that game, Melbourne City. Um, and the comments from their star striker, Jamie McLaren, on TV, I don't think that would have sat too well with some of the players in the City team during mm. this week. Um, and as a result, Western United, well... You know, had they not won this game, Western United, John Aloisi would have been none from four in his in his new club, and that would have been a good start for him. That being said, uh, Dylan Wenzel Halls, he's two from two now. It was a well taken finish in the first half, um, and despite the city dominance in terms of the statistics, they just couldn't break through. Um, and and Western United came away with a, a solid one nil win. And Brisbane Raw, I'm talking to Adam Kwasnick, by the way, um, SEN's very own Adam Kwasnick, by the way. Uh, Brisbane Raw, nil, Adelaide United, nil. So, uh, well, that's their first point of the season for the Raw. Yeah, and really tough conditions as well, humid conditions up in Brisbane. Look, I I, I didn't really see this game. What I took Mm. away from it, what I see, was at the very end, the red card to Javier Lopez. Um, he, he got a, 
a yellow card very, very late in the game, and he just didn't want to leave it at that. And Chris Beath had no option but to pull out the red card almost immediately after he got the yellow card. So a little bit of a disappointing end for Adelaide, and Lopez will miss at least the next next game for uh, for Adelaide. Uh, that being said, Brisbane, you know, they're going to have a tough season from what I've seen of them. There's a there's a lot to work on. Um, the manager there's got his work cut out for him, Mooney, but he's um, he's got a young squad. Uh, hopefully they can get through this season unscathed, but it will be a tough season for him. Adam, before we look ahead to the uh, the couple of games today, if we just rewind further back, uh, uh, Friday night, wasn't it? Um, so the uh, Wanderers, 2-0 over, over Wellington. That match played down there at, uh, well, at Wellington's home ground, if you like, home away from home in Wollongong. Um, that's their first win of the season for, for Western Sydney. Yeah, they they obviously had two draws and, and obviously a win as well. And they got their first three points uh, on Friday night. Toma Hemed getting another goal and Johnny Kuchumba's at the very end. Obviously, the Phoenix goalkeeper uh, at the very end of the game, they tried to, to try and get a draw off a corner, but um, he was left bound wanting at the very end. And Johnny Kuchumba's just strolled up the field with a, with an empty net in front of him and, and put it in the back of the net and made it 2-0. Look, the telling part in this game, early in the first half, a VAR for a Phoenix goal got disallowed. Josh Laws bundled it over the line. And Uffi Tale in his mm. pre-post-match uh, um, match conference basically questioned uh, why it wasn't allowed, the Phoenix goal. Uh, for me, I, I totally agree. I, I couldn't see any problem with it. But they disallowed the goal for the Phoenix. And the Western Sydney Wanderers, they went up the other end a couple times in the second half and made it 2-0 and it was game over from there. Mm. Your old boys, uh, Central Coast Mariners, they're in action this afternoon. They take on MacArthur FC. Uh, the Mariners, they began the season with a, a good win, didn't they? The F3 derby over the Jets. That Then they lost last week to, to Wellington. And uh, yeah. this match being played out at Panthers Stadium, uh, I can only assume because Campbelltown's still uh, like a bog, is it, out there? Yeah. Well, the Campbelltown <laughs> Stadium was uh, had problems at very beginning and and as we saw you know they shifted their first great uh, first game up to Newcastle yeah. uh, look yeah Mariners very very tough midweek game cup game in which they got away with in the end against the Wollongong Wolves they come up against a very good MacArthur team and I think Ante Milicic is really starting to guess get the best out of his players in particular his new, new recruits in Craig Noon and and Ulysses Davia I think they're going to be red hot today. I'm hoping my heart says a Mariners win, but it's going to be a big ask against a very good MacArthur team. They're my smoky to take it out this season. True. The MacArthur Bulls. There's uh, a lot of quality throughout that that team. Um, the Mariners, how they, how's Nick Montgomery going to set up? They're still minus Matty Simon. Um, they've got a few youngsters coming through. Um, but I just can't see them really going on and getting all three points at this game. At best, maybe a point, um, but I'm hoping they, I'm, I'm wishing they can take all three at the back end of this game. Have we seen much A-League football played out at Panthers Stadium? No, I think there was a derby, a, a cup game, uh, Sydney SC versus the Western Sydney Wanderers a couple of years yeah. ago. But it, I think the Matildas league. might have played there as well a couple of years ago correct. from memory. Yeah, yeah correct. Right. Wonderful setup out there, and they obviously got the leagues club uh, across the road. So mm. great opportunity for us to head down there, stay dry in the lead up to the game, and then make their way across the road, which it should be a fantastic game. 
as I said, I hope the Mariners win, but I think just MacArthur will be too good on this occasion. Well, there you go. Yeah, so uh, footy fans, league fans out there, Panthers fans, get down to your home stadium if you if you want. I mean, there's no rugby league on and uh, take in what, what should be a really good game. But the way you're just talking about that, Mariners against MacArthur FC. Uh, shade past four, that, uh, that kicks off there at Panthers Stadium. Melbourne victory against Perth Glory. So that's, uh, what is that? That's the final game of, of the round. Melbourne victory coach... Um, Tony Popovich faces his former side for the first time. Yeah, and Tony Popovich, well, you know, you've got to get on the bandwagon. He's got his Melbourne victory team humming. We've seen the success that he has had at the Western Sydney Wanderers, and you mentioned Perth Glory as well. And it's just a continuation with his new new team, the Melbourne victory. Uh, I think they'll go three from three today. Uh, really easy on the eye last week against the Brisbane Raw. Uh, these two teams mid- middle of the week as well in a cup game and the Melbourne victory end up winning 4-3 on penalties. So they fairly uh, well know each other mm. heading into this game. Um, there's a couple injury c- clouds over the Perth Glory attack. Daniel Sturridge yet to make a full start. Is he so playing? Waiting to... Is he st- will he start well, today? I hope so. Mm. We're, not, we're not so sure as yet. But what's killed Perth Glory in the last two games is their so- slow starts. They've got such a potent attack, but they're so sloppy in starting games. And they got a one-all draw against Adelaide in their first game. Um, but uh, like moving forward, they really, really need to start well. Uh, but I can't see that happening up against a really strong Melbourne mm. victory outfit this afternoon. What's the relationship like uh, between these two clubs now with Popper going there? And, and he lured a few players with him, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Oh, look, I, I can't see there being too much... All fine? Um, yeah, I think it, it'll be all fine. Tony Popovich, he's a great man manager. And, you know, he left Perth, from what I could hear, on, on, on good terms. Uh, he had an opportunity to go overseas, and, and, and obviously that didn't work out. But, you know, he he brings success wherever he goes. And fortunately for Melbourne victory, that could very well be this year. And Amy Park, he expected this afternoon to be humming again, as it was a few years ago when, when Melbourne Victory were winning titles. Mm. Talking to Adam Kwasnick, all things football. Uh, can we chat a bit of EPL? Okay, a couple of minutes? Yeah. Yeah, yep. good as gold. Um, so uh, there were five games, I think, overnight, uh, and they were only going into this round two points separating the top three. Chelsea were on 33. Um Man City 32 and then Liverpool 31. So it's really, really tight at the top. And I'll just update the table now for you, though. Man City are on top on 35. Liverpool in second place on 34. And Chelsea in third place on 33. And that is because Chelsea suffered a 3-2 loss away to West Ham. And what a game that was. I got home late last night from calling the the Newcastle Jets-Sydney game. Good timing for you. Yeah, it was. It was wonderful timing. Uh, West Ham, they went 2-1 down at half time, And I'm thinking to myself, I think it could be a draw at best for West Ham. They could get back in this game. But I think Chelsea were going to go on with it. But then I woke up this morning and what a turnaround it was for mm. West Ham. They really turned it around. A wonderful game. Obviously, five goals. Uh, the Premier League's producing some wonderful results. Um, as of late, um, and Newcastle, Newcastle getting their first win on the board against Burnley overnight. Um, they've got plenty of money in the club, but they yeah. just need to start getting results. And for that to be their first win, um, it's a fantastic start, leading into a Christmas period where there's going to be games coming thick and fast. 
hopefully they can pick up results and then from there maybe buy some new players in January to see them escape relegation. Mm. Uh, well, I'll just go through all those those scores then. So it's been turned around, the, the leaders now. But uh, Newcastle, as Adam's just pointed out, 1-0 win over Burnley. Liverpool defeated Wolves 1-0. Man City, a match they were expected to win, 3-1 away to Watford. Uh, West Ham, um, 3, Chelsea, 2. Uh, so there you go. Manchester City now at the top of the English Premier League on 35, Liverpool 34 and Chelsea 33. Adam Kwasnick, great to talk to you, mate. I really enjoyed that. And what what are your plans for the rest of the day? Well, I'm going to watch my beloved Mariners take on MacArthur. And as I said, I'm hoping for a Mariners win. I just, I'm just not so sure this time around. Uh, but a very relaxing weekend. We had nippers this morning up on the Central oh. Coast. They weren't the best conditions, but... Uh, <laughs> Well, just got, got through it unscathed, and uh, we're just going to relax. What beach are you at, Adam? What beach? Uh, they do do nippers at North Entrance, but there yep. was a carnival today at Riggle Beach. Uh, right, uh, just around the corner a bit. No, yeah, I was down there. I was down there myself, but across the bay from you, uh, across Broken Bay, about, I don't know, 15, 15 20 k south at nippers as well, and it was awful. Um, so, yeah, anyway. All right, put your feet up, and let's hope the Wanderers can get up, the Mariners can get up for you. Awesome. Thanks again. Great stuff. There is Adam Kwasnick. All right. Uh, plenty to talk about in the world of football, isn't there? And that you love your football, JP, too. I should point that out to our listeners. JP's on the panel, by the way. Tragic. Well, let's just say tragic, tragic of all sports, Chris. Mm. You are a bit of a bit of a sports nut, mm-hmm. which is good. This is a good place to be. Yes. Um, let's just say I was actually at that Sydney FC game, and um, I thought, Oh, you were there last night? I was there last night, yeah. And I was watching that decision, and it wasn't for offside. It was a really contentious call. And let's say when when it was given no goal, um, let's just say that the fans, yeah, they they weren't too happy at the ground. No. No, I bet they weren't. I bet they were I didn't know you were out there. Good stuff. Uh, all right. Uh, keep those wow moments coming through. Uh, wow moments after... Is uh, it wow? Yeah. Wow! You know. Wow! It's gutty. <laughs> Gussie Gould, he of Channel 9 and he of uh, Canterbury Bulldogs as well. Um, he told Tavita Pangai Jr., didn't he? He said uh, along the lines of don't embarrass yourself or something like that. Good words of advice. Tavita Pangai Jr. won last night, won easily, didn't he? Uh, but there were some other boxing results. We're going to talk boxing in about an hour's time. Uh, Billy Dibbs going to join us. Mark Warren from Pot Rock Podcast is also going to join us, and we're going to have a, a three-wayer, if you like, um, and talk all the latest news in boxing. Uh, keep those texts coming through. I've got them here. Jim, I'll read yours out in a moment as well. I'll try and even find some of that audio, uh, and it's Muhammad Ali's uh, win over George Foreman. We'll be able to find that. Wow. In uppercase. We'll take a short break. When we return, we're going to try and find, not some highlights, we're going to try and find our good friend, Jaleesa Rapp. She's out there on the mountain somewhere. Hopefully, she'll soon be joining us on Sports Central. Hang on, we're going to have to come back. We've got an incident here. We've got a drama here for car number 44. Thomas Randall is deeply buried in the Boost Mobile Mustang. Well in the beach. So this is what happened, the aftermath. We didn't see exactly, but I presume he's just outbraked his run into turn one. So a couple of... Well, there's been a few a few mishaps out there on the mountain already, but as you ex- expect, it doesn't look to be like any rain. Uh, we'll find out shortly. We're going to cross out there to uh, Channel 10 sports reporter Jaleesa Apps. We have managed to find her. We 
We found her up the back in one of those um, one of those party tents, but she's back down there and she'll join us in a moment. Uh, Lee Holdsworth is is leading. He's got about a six uh, six second lead over Garth Tander. So their main drivers, uh, that's car twenty five and then car triple eight. Uh, their main drivers yet to come into into the seat. Uh, and I was just listening then. Basically, it, and those of you that please don't want to tell you what you already know, but. Any driver in the in the partnership can only drive um, a maximum, I think, is 107 laps of the 161. So that's another uh, important point too of of who drives when. Um, and generally, your main driver will probably you know, see out maybe the last 30 laps or so, depending from garage to garage how they want to do it. But it's a real juggle: tires, fuel, strategy, um, and that's why it is uh, known as the great race. Jaleesa is on the line. A very good afternoon, Jaleesa. How are you? How are you doing out there? You, you keeping dry? You keeping safe? Yeah, we're keeping very dry. Actually, there was, there's no rain at the moment. It's a pretty good day. It's a little bit cooler here today, which means it'll be a bit faster with the cars. And I'm sure the, uh, the drivers are very, very grateful that it's a bit cooler. The last few days, it's been really hot and muggy, but, uh, yeah, it's only about 20 degrees today, so uh, it's nice. It's actually really nice out here. Awesome. And the vibe's good. I, I imagine it's loud, everyone behaving themselves. It's very loud. I've stepped away so you can actually hear me. But, um, yeah, it's uh, everyone's um, on their best behaviour. ScoMo was out earlier, so he... Yeah, he was there for the anthem and he had a look at the new um, Gen 3 cars and um, he took a lap at uh, Mark Scape, which he looked like... I've never seen someone more terrified in my life. <laughs> actually, no, the last time I saw someone that terrified, I was actually learning to drive and it was my grandparents. So it reminded me of that. But the racing's been good so far. Um, I think you, you just played just before I came on, um, Thomas Randall going off the, mm. the track. But the big um, out has been um, Erebus. The, there was smoke coming out and Jack Perkins and um, and Will Brown have had to park that back in. So that's really disappointing because Will Brown was yeah. actually the fastest in the qualifying and as a rookie. So he, there was a lot of uh, high hopes mm. on him. But um, I think there's a power steering issue. So I'm really unfortunate for them that that's, that's their day over. Everything's got to go right, hasn't it? Everything's got to fall into place, you know. And, and like, you might be fastest in qualifying or you might be – um, start from pole, but um, one slip up and and all the the best laid plans they're straight out the window. So Holdsworth is leading uh, with about six and six and a half six and a half seconds ahead of Tander. So their main drivers uh, yet to come in. Uh, Chaz Mostert being the main uh, driver in that partnership uh, with Lee Holdsworth, but just amazing what Chaz Mostert did yesterday, particularly um, given his his experience a number of years ago where he, he could well have lost his life. Yeah, it's a, it's remarkable. Um, he's got a fantastic story behind him. And as you said, um, it was amazing yesterday, set the fastest lap ever um, in that top 10 shootout. Um, but yeah, he, he won uh, Bathurst and then a few years later was, um, was, unfortunately in a terrible crash where he was airlifted and broke his legs and but even just before that he's got a great story of coming through his um his mum and dad actually at one point mortgaged their house to be able for him to be able to follow his dream of racing and it's certainly come off and then he lost his mum at um age 17 so he's always said that he wanted to make all the sacrifices that they um did worth it and he certainly has he's a he's fantastic 
Yeah, it's a really, it's a touching story. I didn't know the the backstory to, to all of that. Uh, and and the further you dig too into, you know, a lot of these drivers and they do, don't they? They do make themselves quite accessible to the media and vast, a lot better, let's say, sometimes than, than others other sports do. Yeah, hugely accessible, not just even to the media, but just to the fans um, themselves. Like I was sort of saying yesterday, the um, the motorhomes and then the um, garages, there's like sort of the main thoroughfare in between them. So fans are coming all the time between there and, and the drivers stop all the time and talk to the fans and they can look in and see what they're doing to the car. The accessibility um, as a sport is just incredible and I think they just really get that it's the fans that keep their sport going. You were saying yesterday that you were, were staying in a, a, a cosy, nice little sort of, um, I don't know if it's a five-star or, or a one-star motel up there. Um did you and you, you you got out? Did you for dinner? Did you have one of your schnitzels that you were you were craving? No, you know what? I actually ended up having the schnitzel for lunch, and I went a pork belly last night. <laughs> I went down to the um, Panorama Motel, love it, and uh, got myself a pork belly and a sticky date pudding, <laughs> and it was the most deluxe sticky oh. date I've ever seen in my life. It came like it was my birthday. It Go. Was like, you know, had all these ice cream and cream and these wafers, and I was just, I was in my element. Oh. It was, I'm just having a really good time here. See, I can't do that, right? And I'm a lot older than you, but I've got to, you know, I've got to watch the waistline and the high cholesterol and all that. But oh, I would love to dine out on that sort of stuff. Actually, I've just, I ducked down before I came in here and a little treat for myself. You know, I got a coffee, but you know, it goes really well with a coffee, don't you, on a sort of a drizzly, a drizzly day, drizzly morning? A nice biscuit. Oh no, no above that. That's a, you dip that in a cup of tea. No, blueberry muffin. Freshly <laughs> oh, baked. Oh, mm. okay, right. I was just trying to have yeah, some of it just then, actually. Got fruit in it though, Chris. Oh, <laughs> that makes it healthy. Makes it healthy. <laughs> right, so you're going to be there all the way throughout the afternoon. Um you're staying down there tonight or you you're heading back later on tonight or what? No, no, we're staying here, so I'll be uh, live on Channel 10 tonight, and then we, um, we're we here for the media event tomorrow for whoever wins. We're, yep. um, we'll be celebrating with them tonight and tomorrow, so <laughs> should be a good 24 hours. Well, party time. See, it's not just all work and no play for you. Um, I was it's saying never before, work. I was saying... <laughs> Well, that's the, beauty of, that's the beauty of working in the sports industry if you love your sport. So I was saying earlier to our listeners what you should do because you haven't got the rights and you're not allowed to go to some places, are you? You've got like, you know, they wouldn't, won't let you through some of the areas. You could just... Steal- well, I'm allowed to go. I just can't film in there. So oh, I've right been oh. wandering around, you know, like I, I can go phone? wherever I want. I just can't do my ah. life. I've got to do my life cross out the front. So I just duck out and then I duck back in. Right. Oh, I get it. Because I was, I was just suggesting you could just sort of borrow one of the Channel um, 7 reporters' jackets or something. Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone ends up working for everyone these days. I'm sure they probably wouldn't even know who I'm working for. We spoke to – so you you were working, obviously, with Cricket um, Unfiltered as well. You're the co-host of that podcast. We spoke to your colleague only an hour or so ago, Andrew Menzel, about various issues happening in cricket and and what's happened since we last spoke yesterday we've heard from Justin Langer and uh, really really passionate um about the way his good mate Tim Payne has been treated uh yeah he was certainly um he's certainly sort of said that he hopes that Tim comes back and he'd flown down there and um and actually seen Tim after he made the announcement that he was taking a little bit of break so it's his first test uh without 
Langer, it's Langer's first test without having Tim Payne as captain. So it's um, certainly not the most ideal thing that you want going into the to the Ashes. And it will be really interesting because they've sort of said, hinted that they might rotate the um, fast bowlers. So I really think at some point we'll see Steve Smith captaining um, during this um, test mm. if they're going to rotate and have um, Paddy Cummins out. Did Manners fledge me? He usually does that. Not really. Oh, no. Oh, no. he didn't. No. He said, he said, you're talking to my, um, what do you say, my co-host uh, later on today, Jaleesa. And I said, well, no, she's my, she's my co-host here. No. <laughs> so we're going to share you. We have to share you, okay? <laughs> That's nice. All right. Nice. Back to the track. Jaleesa apps, Channel 10. Uh, Garth Tander's in the lead now. So I'm just wearing Holdsworth. So he must have just pitted. And uh, Mostert's now behind the wheel. So um, he's in fifth position. So you get back to the track. Uh, enjoy your afternoon, mate. And once again, I really appreciate you jumping on the line. Always good to chat. My pleasure. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Good to. There she is. Jaleesa Apps. Um, I enjoy chatting to Jaleesa. She's always a bit of fun. She's very... Smile in a voice. Bright, bright person. Bright and bubbly. Mm. Got to be bright and bubbly, they say, in in this job. Don't know how I got it. I can be bright and bubbly. I tell you what, I will, or will be more bright and bubbly if I can scoff down this blueberry muffin in the next break. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to – I'm going to. there's only half of it left. But keep those text messages coming through. I've got a few of them coming through. Keep it coming, keep it coming, and I'm going to dig out some of these moments. I'm talking about wow moments. Moments in Is sport. It wow? Thank you, Gus. Wow. Gu- thank wow. you, Gu- Gus. Oh, my Lord. I wish you'd stop jumping in like that, Gus. Uh, moments that have really made you sit back or just appreciate. You, you may have been there. You just remember it. Keep those wow moments coming through. Sport Central, it's coming up to 12 to 2. Another sneaky right hand. This time he works over the shoulder of Foreman. Yeah, what about that, hey? Uh, We're talking about wow moments in sport. Any decade, any sport does not matter. And it it doesn't have to be a great, great, the greatest moment in sport. But for some reason, it really uh, resonates with you. And I think that one there, the rumble in the jungle, uh, it resonates with all of us, uh, whether you're a boxing fan or not. Um, And those of the younger generation may not remember uh, that back in 1974. So there you go. Uh, power on from Quakers Hill. G'day, my wow is Muhammad Ali's win against George Foreman. Uh, not the win, but how he won. Uh, wow, in uppercase. Enjoying the show. Stay safe, stay strong. Power on. I like that slogan. You power on too, uh, Jimmy Boy. Power on from Quakers Hill. Uh, 1974 in Zaire, wasn't it? In Zaire. Uh, and there were 60,000 people uh, packed there. Undefeated world heavyweight champ, George Foreman was, and uh, Muhammad Ali, attendance of 60,000, and Ali won by knockout um, in the eighth round. That was, yeah, if you haven't seen it, the rope a and just, just soaked it up, soaked it up, and soaked it up. And, 
and Ali came through. Uh, we're going to be talking some boxing in about half an hour, three quarters of an hour's time as well. Or let's say half hour, I reckon, because uh, Billy Dibb's going to jump on the line uh, and we'll talk boxing with him and uh, Mark Warren as well. Uh, similar, well, same surname to me. Good reason for that. He's uh, from the Rocked Podcast. So keep those wow moments in sport coming through and I'll get through another one. Steve from Padstow says another wow moment. Evil Knievel jumping buses at Caesar's Palace. Yes, I remember seeing Evil Knievel. What about him? Um, I've got to dig out and go back and get some old footage of Evil Knievel. Evil was, well, Knievel's not just evil. I think I think Knievel was a little bit bonkers, wasn't he? Just unbelievable, some of the stuff that, that he used to do. Uh, keep them coming through. I've um, got another one, uh, Chris, from you. I'll get to yours uh, very shortly, but uh, I love it. There's loads to go through. Keep them coming through. The text number, 0457 736 736. Wow moments over the years. Any decade, any sport. Australia are in the final. The match has been tied. What a mix-up. Well, the Australian players, they probably can't even believe their own good fortune. Well, I don't know if it's good fortune. I guess you've got to have a bit of luck along the way, don't you? Um, That was the 1999 uh, semi-final World Cup against South Africa in... Uh, Edge Baston, I think I'm right. Edge Baston, it was, and uh, we won it, but only just uh, one by five wickets, two balls remaining. If I go back and do uh, a bit of research there, and st- uh, Chris has sent that through. He says he's got a, a, a few wows in sport. Um, Australia v South Africa, uh, the theme. Yeah, uh, Klusner, Donald, run out. So that was with about a ball to spare, or maybe two two balls to spare. You're saying two balls to spare, Justice of the Peace. Um, and we went on to the final, didn't we, at Lords and won. One against Pakistan, and Pakistan during that final, the 99 World Cup final, made 131. And I think the Aussies got that in under maybe 25 overs. Chris has said another wow moment. So the theme of this is wow moments, all right? In sport, uh, what has really tickled your fancy? Something you just remember, and it's etched on your brain, and you loved it. Um, send them through. Another one from Chris there. Um, again, it's Australia v South Africa. Um, in 2006, One Day International, uh, the Aussies four for four thirty four, and South Africa four a nine for four thirty eight. Uh, Herschel Gibbs one hundred and seventy five. God, that's a massive effort, isn't it? In One Day Cricket. Thanks for those, Chris. Keep them coming through, and uh, they are. Uh, another one here. Uh, oh, no, the evil, Knievel. We've got that as well already. Uh, Steve from Padstow also writes, Tim Payne, good all-rounder, great family, great bloke. Um, good awning, Steve from Padstow. You may have heard uh, um, yesterday uh, Aussie coach Justin Langer. Um, so he's out of quarantine and uh, he's ungagged and unfiltered and he's basically, well, he didn't let rip. He did it in his own um, his own style charismatic way, I might say, too. I, I think he's... I, I like Justin Langer a lot. I like what he says, and uh, I like his demeanour. We might play it again, actually, though. He was he was filthy on the way that Tim Payne has been treated. Basically, um, and, you know, to paraphrase with a bit of a um, 
Catholic or religious background, a, a Christian background, I should say, is for the you know, who has not sinned, throw the first stone. Basically, that's what Justin Langer was saying about Tim Payne. He's uh, one of my really close friends and someone I admire enormously. In He's probably, certainly in this generation of players, he's one of the best people I've met in the game of cricket. And so, he's, as I said, he's been our captain for a long time. He and I have been through a journey like we have with all this group. I think when I saw him, um, he's obviously shattered with what's happened um, because he's been such an exemplary figure in Australian cricket for the last four years particularly. Um, you know, his life's changed, obviously. So, um, But you have to ask him how he's going. All I know, it was important to go and see him. We talk about looking after our boys, having each other's backs, and it was a no-brainer for me to go and see him. I'm not sure we've seen the end of him, but we'll wait and see. That'll be his decision. We live in a world of perfectionism, don't we? We're a very judgmental society. And as I said, when I first, my very first press conference, when I was asked about Steve Smith and David Warner and Cameron Bancroft, there's not one person who's asking questions here or who's, who's um, on the camera there or who is listening to this or who is watching this who hasn't made a mistake in their life. There's not a single person. And our captain... One of the best made a mistake and he's paying a heavy price for it. And, it. and what I see, I continually see in this job and I see in the, the society we live in is it can be brutal and, but you, you, that's, you learn your lessons, but we live in an unforgiving society and that's a real shame. Well, it's the way it is. It's the way it is. You say unforgiving society and yes, um, I guess it is a reflection of, of what goes on in life generally, but... I think it's becoming more apparent, um, the unforgiving society, because sportsmen and women are, are so much more these days under the microscope. And that is all down, and that takes us on to another discussion, which is probably outside the realms of um, this program in being sport. And that is just how absorbed we are as a society in digital and social media, which has just been thrust upon us, I guess. I mean, let's rewind maybe 10 years ago at the sort of you know, the advent, or not even 10, maybe seven or eight years ago when digital media became the big thing. But now it really has reshaped the way we live, the way we behave, hasn't it? And for the better or for the worse, Oh, look, and I'm not talking now about what Tim Payne did, right? Stupid. Okay? Particularly a person holding such a high office in sport. Stupid. It's probably different to Joe Blow or me or you. We might send a, a picture to someone. We're not the Australian Test cricket captain. So with that position becomes uh, comes rather a whole lot more responsibility, doesn't it? You assume the role, you take it on. When that's handed to you, the little C next to your name, you know that, you know what, my behaviour and the way I carry myself, it's got to be almost impeccable. But we're not built that way, are we? We're not impeccable. We've all got flaws and uh, we're not all perfect and we don't all behave perfectly. It'd be a boring world if we did, wouldn't it? But my point being, and again, away from cricket, I just think we have changed so much the way we live for better or for worse I say for worse I say for worse for sure and I'm going down a path here which is a, a bit away from sport but 
I can't because I'm in the chair and I've got a microphone in front of me. And we've we hit all five, and I've got quite a few guests coming up, by the way. We're going to talk some boxing uh, in a moment as well. But just on this this theme of, of social media and the perils of social media, if you're my age, and let's say I'm around the 50 mark, depending on which uh, website you look at, there are social sort of sites, you know, dating sites even, that you, know, you can put your age on there. It's good to be truthful. But anyway, I'm around that 50 mark. If you get my point. And um, so I've got young kids. I say young. I've got tweens, teens. Well, I've got a new teen. My boy was a teenager yesterday, actually. My daughter's 14. My other young bloke's eight. Um, But they are just absolutely absorbed in social media, in using their phones. And I can see you guys, mums and dads out there nodding as well. Imagine... So if one of my kids steps out of line, the go-to punishment these days is just confiscate the phone and all hell breaks loose. And I can see you guys nodding again. It's powerful, isn't it? It's like taking away their blood supply or their pulse, taking away their mobile phone. I was looking the other day um, and I had a chat with a mate of mine too and his kid. His kid, and he is uh, 13 13 or maybe 14 years of age, they check the, the the screen time, which you can do on your on your phone. Pretty easy to do, screen time. I don't know how to do it myself because I'm, I'm hardly ever on there, to be honest with you. Uh, the only time I'm on, on my phone really is you know, researching sport, this sort of stuff now, you know, in and out, YouTube, Google. But it was 13 hours of average screen time in one day, this was. So from the moment our kids are getting up, from the moment they go put their head on on their pillow, and I hope not in between those moments, they are just consumed by social media and their device. Their device runs their life. For example, I was driving um, a couple of days ago, uh, stopped at a set of lights, and it was during the school time because I was trying to make sure I avoid getting another fine for going 5K over the... Speed limit in a school zone. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. And I looked left to the bus shoulder, and there would have been 20. Boys and girls, all around about teenagers, 13-ish, I reckon, maybe a bit younger, um, getting waiting for the bus to go home. And of the 20, how many of them do you think had their heads up? And how many had their head buried into their lap staring at their screen? Well, I can tell you this. There was not one of the 20 kids having a conversation. Every single one of them was absorbed with their mobile phone. And when I was going to school, and and you guys and girls at my sort of age, you you always have a chat, don't you? Waiting in the bus line, you're catching up with your mates after school, you're having a giggle. What are we doing this afternoon? Where are we going? We're going to get on our BMX bikes. We're going to go down the bush. We're going to build a shack. What are we up to? No. No talk. No interaction. And that's just the way it is. I know, I'm rambling on, but back to Tim Payne. And the the empathy, borderline more sympathy, that his coach Justin Langer is displaying is very much, well, aligned to the way we are today in today's society. And holding an office like Tim Payne or any other professional sportsman or woman, you just got to be so, so careful. 
And when you sign that contract, whether it be to be the captain of the Australian cricket team or whether it be the hooker of Melbourne Storm or the centre-back for Sydney FC, you're signing on a whole lot more than just to be a professional footballer. Your standards are now being judged differently to the rest of us. He moves right and further right and right again. He's on the white line. He's going to drop a spot in this side by side. Hold your breath, Australia. Frosty, Frosty, what a great nickname too for Mark Winterbottom. That was uh, our own Matty White calling that, and he's called loads of um, Bathurst 1000s over the years. Uh, Matty White, you can hear him mornings, by the way, uh, Monday to Friday here on this very station. Uh, I'll be talking to Matty White later on this afternoon. He's going to join us around about 4 o'clock. He's calling uh, the cricket tonight. Yep, the I'm big, sure. The big bash. Bash sixes and stars, Matty White. So when he gets into his... Um, well, he'd be in his chauffeur-driven uh, Merc, I reckon it would probably be, from his farm. When he gets into that uh, that car, we'll uh, we'll give him a call and have a chat uh, about Bathurst. Uh, there'll still be an hour or two to go, more like two or maybe even more uh, out there. Winterbottom, by the way, um, so what year was that? 2013? 2014. 20, 2013, Chris. 2013. Uh, he now is in 14th position, Mark Winterbottom. Um We'll give you an update on the scores, uh, what the scores, the placings, where they are at the moment. But most of the teams have all swapped their drivers now. 54 are well and truly swapped their drivers. There are a few that have not. 54 laps of the 161 gone. So pretty much uh, right about now at the uh, one-third mark of of the race. It's It's a long old day, isn't it? Long old day indeed. We'll keep you uh, across the Bathurst 1000. No doubt if you're at home, you, you're probably watching that as we speak. But if you're out and about, uh, great to have your company here on SEN 1170. Also going, I believe, to the Gold Coast, SEN 1620. Good afternoon to you guys up there as well. Uh, and it would be, uh, what, quarter past one? Well, they're about 17 past one uh, in Queensland. Uh, we've got loads uh, still to come on this edition of Sports Central. Uh, as I said, um, in the next hour, the next half hour or so, we're going to talk a fair bit of boxing. Uh, quite a few fights were on last night, uh, this time last weekend almost, thereabouts. George Cambosis Jr. Uh, became the undisputed lightweight champion of the world. And it sort of slipped under the radar for a few. We covered it live here pretty much, blow by blow. Uh, there's another fight being held this afternoon in Vegas too with other ramifications. And the winner of that lightweight fight, could well find himself on a path uh, to our own George Cambosis Jr. So we're going to be doing that later on. Um, in terms of supercars, yeah, Matty White, we'll talk to him. Matt McKeldin, uh, he is the host of uh, Driver's Seat on SEN. He is also a driver. So he was driving yesterday on the mountain in the uh, one of the support categories, the Trans Am. Unfortunately for Matt, he, he ended up in hospital. He had a crash and um, badly uh, busted his shoulder. I was talking to him or communicating with him last night. Uh, I said, just don't take too many, making sure, would you be able to have a chat today? I said, don't take too many of those uh, painkillers. Um, and his re- reply text, here it is, 
um, popping them like smarties. <laughs> I'm sure he's just joking, but he was in a fair bit of pain. We're hoping to chat to Matt McKeldin, um a bit later on too. So we'll try and do that just after three. No looksy Brooksy. He joined us yesterday to talk a bit of rubbish, but also to talk some NBA, some serious stuff. And uh, he really enjoyed his time. Really enjoyed his time here on Sports Central. He's going to jump on the line again later on this afternoon and uh, a heap of NBA games um, on today. Probably, uh, I haven't got it in front of me. They're probably just wrapping up, actually, the last of um, the games in NBA. Uh, and uh, for you NFL um, aficionados or lovers, uh, the American football, I'm going to find the quarterback. He's out there somewhere. I believe he's he's on the tongs. He's on the tongs somewhere. Um, at a charity do uh, at Bunnings somewhere. Um, do my sausage a bit extra cooked, please. I like mine a bit crispier. Crispy and please, no barbecue sauce. So um, I'm not quite sure what charity that is. We might chat with the quarterback about American football and uh, and sausage sizzles. We'll do that a little bit later on as well. Keep those texts coming through. 0457 736 736 is the text line. Uh, if you'd like to have a chat, well, give me a call. I won't bite. 1300 01 1170. If you're watching um, the Bathurst 1000 and uh, you want to give us around the grounds a bit of an update, I've got it on here, but I haven't got the volume up. So um, if you're watching at home with the commentary, you're probably more ahead of it than, than I am. I do, I can tell you that Shane Van Gisbergen is now back up to second place. And he's about seven seconds uh, off the pace. And Jamie Winkup, about eight seconds further back from Van Gisbergen. Winkup in third. And that would be, wouldn't it? That would be the dream. Uh, I would have thought that would be the dream uh, finish for Winkup. Um, won seven championships. Wouldn't it be nice if he, and this is his final race as a full-time driver out there at Bathurst. Wouldn't it be nice if, uh, if he could manage to win it? I think he was about 10 to 1, though, with the bookies, given where they started. So we'll keep you across that. Uh, Chris from Paramat, this one, have uh, – Chris, he says, have a look at this. Um, any street in town on any day these days, most of the pedestrians as well as uh, the drivers are fixated on their phone screen. I call it electronic blindness. No, well, that's what I was talking about before. Thanks, Paramat. I agree. And and if you stop it, I'm just saying we've been taken over by the digital world. We are almost governed by our devices. We feel lost. We probably feel insecure. We, We probably feel anxious without our devices. I mean, if you get out of, if you're going to work and you forget your mobile phone, let's say you're in the car and you're 5Ks into your journey, too far to go back, don't want to be late for work, and you, you've lost, you've, you've forgotten your mobile phone. I tell you what, your day, your day has got off to a shocker, hasn't it? You just get so, oh my lord, because so much rides on that mobile phone. We we need it to check into places for COVID. We need it for all that. We need it to banking. We need it for our work. We need it for emails. We need it to call our kids. Whatever. We need it to order pizza. We are really, really dependent, aren't we, on our bloody mobile phones? Um, but yeah, but not, I was just saying a, a kid's a bus stop full of kids, all of them were glued to their mobile phone. And it, you look at you next time you, you stop at a red light and you're the second car back or whatever, have a look at the car in front. Almost bet your bottom dollar that their head will be bowed and they will be doing something on their lap with their, 
with their mobile phone is what I'm, I mean. But just going back, why am I talking about that? Well, I was just saying, and uh, Justin Langer was saying, it's the community in which we live. It's an unforgiving community these days in the wake of um, the sexting dramas that Tim Payne found himself immersed in. Tim Payne was a silly boy, made a mistake, but my God, he's paid a hefty price, hasn't he? You are listening to Sports Central. It's coming up to 24 minutes past two. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Yeah, pull the gloves on, folks. We're going to talk a bit of boxing over the next uh, 15 minutes or, or, or maybe longer, depending how we go. We'll keep you uh, abreast of what's happening on the mountain as well. Shane Van Gisbergen, by the way, he's now uh, the outright leader and has a 16-second break on Jamie Winkup in second. So Van Gisbergen first, Winkup second. And uh, they are through 59 of 161 laps. All right, back to the ring we go. And uh, this time last week, my God, was it this time last weekend or the weekend before? My God, it's gone fast, hasn't it? Um, but recently, uh, we had our own George Cambosis Jr. He became the first Aussie to claim all three belts in a single fight. It was an epic split decision victory over previously unbeaten American superstar Teofimo Lopez in New York. So he became the undisputed lightweight champion of the world. It was a victory I described before, as I said, by Johnny Lewis as, well, the greatest achievement ever by an Australian fighter. And as I said before earlier, when Johnny Lewis says that, you've got to sit up and listen. That really is quite a wrap. Today in Vegas, there is another lightweight fight in the lightweight division. And I think I'm right in saying the winner of this fight could well earn the right to challenge Ferocious George Cambosis. It can be quite confusing for those outside the boxing fraternity with so many uh, belts on offer, uh, an alphabet soup, they call it. So I thought I'd get a couple of blokes that know more than I do about the fight game on the line. One of them is Billy Dibb, and he is a former world champion himself. Billy Dibb, welcome to you. Thank you for having me, mate. That's in the blue corner. In the red corner, he is the host and the founder of the Rock uh, podcast called Rocked. This Mark is Rocked. Mark Warren, welcome to you. With JJ Rocker from Sydney City Toyota and Lexus. <laughs> uh, there's the plug. Hey, hey, hang on, hang on. Before mm. we move into boxing, mm. do you ever remember Dad taking us around Bathurst in the former silver two-tone Fairlane? I thought it was one under the bonnet. I thought it was a Moffat RX7. <laughs> nah, you had one of those. Do you remember that? Yep, I do. <laughs> it was a Tyne and Motors back when they were doing the Golden Volvo. Yeah, prior the year. I remember tearing yeah. down the tearing down the, the road, 140 <laughs> clicks an hour down to Old Bar. Oh, the first, get... first of the, the first mm. of the rotary motors. That's it. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, uh, motorsport. Billy, are you a rev head or just boxing? Mate, I, I don't mind it. A nice car. I don't mind a nice car. I own a Chevy Impala myself. Oh, nineteen sixty four model. So I don't mind the actual. Uh, you there know, the go. old cars are nice. That'd be uh, that'd be worth a bit now, wouldn't it? Yeah, Chevy, Chevy Impala, sixty four Chevy Impala. Okay. All right. Chris, yes. He's also he's also a co-owner in a place called Fine Shine at Zetland. Okay. Ah. The Yamaha bids love their cars, brother. Uh, give it a plug, <laughs> Billy. Fine Shine Zetland, huh? Didn't know. Exactly, mate. 
All right. Exactly. Right, we're going to talk a fair bit of boxing now, guys, and, and there's no great rush. We're here for a while, and uh, there's, a, there's a fair bit going on. I think our listeners would like to know, and, and me as well, and Billy, you can clear this up or Mark in a moment, just about George Cambosis and, and where he is at now before we – and, and what, what is around the corner for him, and also this WBC other belt that, that he's up for grabs – um, this afternoon. Before we talk about that, though, Mark, if I can just ask you, last night there were quite a few fights. What's that? The DNL promotion in Brisbane last night. Tavita Pangai Jr. Uh, he had a win, uh, but more importantly, um, a bloke you've been following for a while too. He's he's now unbeaten. Is Joy Apatea? Yeah, and it's the first time the Southpaw. I nicknamed him hashtag the Southpaw after the movie came out, and Joy, sponsored from day one by a very good friend of our family. Griffin um, from Griffin Air and Jai, uh, trained by his father Taps, uh, he got the win over David Russ, Daniel Russell who took the fight on short notice, uh, he put him down three or four times and they, they stopped it, they stopped it in round three referee made a, a good decision there My a good friend of mine, Chrissy Condon out of Townsville and they stopped the fight Jai Apatea, Billy, he's staring down the world but I will say very respectfully if you're going to do it at that level, he needs to spend more time in the States. And we talked about that in a lot more detail earlier this morning. Would you agree? Yeah, look, definitely. In, in order to uh, progress, in order to uh, you know, face the uh, high caliber opposition, you need to be out there and working with these guys. So, you know, on a, you know, as you said, respectfully, he's a guy. He's done very, very well to get to this point. But World Championship is another, another step up. So, you know, and obviously now he's in position to fight for the IBF. I think it is Cruiserweight World Title. So, is, is it the Cruiserweight World Title? Or am I wrong saying that? Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, so, it is. you know, obviously, it's a it's a big step up, but we'll see it. we'll see how he goes. You know, with George winning this uh, undisputed championship, I think he's given a lot of Australian fighters a um, you know hope. So. Let's see what um, uh, Joy can do. One of those fighters, Billy Dib, again, uh, rising Aussie boxing star Isaac Hardman. Um, where is he up to here? He scored a, a fourth round win over Adam Stowe. You got the kids again on your lap there, Billy? No, I don't. No, I don't. <laughs> where are we up to with I Isaac Hardman? What's next for him? Are you asking me or are you asking Mark? I was asking you, Billy. Don't worry about Mark. He's... Okay, then. Okay, okay. <laughs> Well, look, Isaac Hardman, next up for him is uh, Michael Zarafa. So it's a big, uh, obviously, another big fight in Australian boxing. And, um, uh, you know, I think uh, it's going to definitely be a good scrap. you got two guys who are very determined to knock each other's heads off. So uh, I think it's going to make for a very, very good scrap. What do you reckon, Mark? Yeah, I, I see Zarafa is already on box rec. And I see a date already slated. And he was more than animated when interviewed by the Hornet Jeff Horn post-fight. Uh, in Brisbane, he said, I, "I'm going to do it for a lot of people, including yourself." To Jeff Horn, uh, I'm going to I'm going to split um, Michael's a rapper. I don't know about that. Uh, he's relatively new to the boxing game. He's making noise. He's he's got the he's got the show going. He talks a good game. He walks a good game. Michael's a rapper to me, though, Billy. Before I wrap a couple of these these other fighters up, uh, Michael's a rapper, experience and talent. I think it's a very dangerous fight. And I think it's a a fight that the pretty boy, Michael's a rapper, the Victorian wins. I, I believe so. I believe so. You know, I think experience plays a big factor here. And I, and I feel that Michael has got great experience in the ring. He's been in with some great fighters. And I definitely feel that that will shine on the night. Mm. What else, Mark, came out of last night? Yeah, look, Miles Zalewski has been talked about forever at Super Featherweight. I 
called one of his fights early on a Channel 9 footy show fight night. And that night, he was very heavily favoured. He ran into an Irishman by the name of Dara Foley, who iced him in about 90 seconds as I was trying to set up the fight. Well, last night, in the 10th round, he fought a little Koori kid, or actually a Murray kid, uh, Dana Coolwell. And I said to Billy earlier this morning, this kid moved a little bit like Billy did. He changed angles. He used his opponent's weight against him. And then in the 10th round, it'll go down as candidate for knockout of the year. The shortest, sharpest left hook you've ever seen. So Dana Coolwell, 22 years of age, uh, a Queenslander, uh, stops Miles Zalewski, the very heavily touted Miles Zalewski, in the 10th round. In the other fight there, the bigger fight was Lucas Brown and uh, Opalu. Look, Lucas Brown fighting for a career. Lucas Brown fighting for a payday. Let's, let's, Let's call it what it is. There was a vacant WBA Oceana heavyweight title. I think I heard Jeffrey or I call four-time. It's really not a belt uh, to be recognised as such. But, um, and, and for the record, Opalu, I think with a little bit more hard work, maybe some road work, would have done the job last night. But, you know, Lucas Brown, he got him late in, in round seven. Uh, Opalu was gassed and Brown takes a victory after that big loss at the hands of the G-Train. Mm. There was another fight, Tavita Pangai Jr. I don't know if you caught any of that, yeah. fella. I, yeah, no, know, it, it, his opponent needs a bit of work, though, I thought. A bit of conditioning. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he, he moves well. Um, the big thing to come out of that, though, looking at Twitter this morning uh, and last week, because Gus said his next fight is against him. So Gus wants to, to test uh, Tavita Pangai Jr. out when they meet at training. I don't know if Gus is real keen on him doing too much more of the pugilism uh, whilst at the dogs, perhaps. Mm. Let's talk about George Cambosis Jr. Fellas, um, Billy Dibb and Mark Warren uh, are on the lines joining us here on Sports Central. Um, people have said, uh, Billy, firstly to you, maybe that George Cambosis Jr., um, he wasn't getting the publicity that he should have been getting. And that is, that is fair to say, is it not? But he certainly, his name is, is now up in lights worldwide. Definitely. Look, I, I think because uh, George decided to go the American route, you know, he had a few comments um, earlier in his career where he said he he wasn't Australian, he was a, he was a Greek, and he was fighting out of America. And you know, so I think it turned people off a little bit. But you know, the good thing about um, Australian boxing is they're very forgiving and uh, forgiving his comments. And I think you know his last performance was fantastic. You know, beating T. Female Lopez for the uh, you know what people say is the undisputed lightweight championship, but. Uh, you know, that's, it could be, it's questionable, you know what I mean? But he, he's definitely the, the holder of the majority of the belts. And I feel that, um, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's going to get his opportunity once he um, steps in against Devin Haney to finally, you know, um, just rule out who is the, who is the current under, undisputed lineal world champion, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously there's a, there's a lot of talk going on that um, Devin Haney's the current WBC title holder. So... You just you just got to wait and see. I guess we'll see if Devin um, puts on a good performance tonight, and him and George can do the fight. George is saying that he wants to do it in Australia with eighty thousand people in the crowd. Not sure if they'll get eighty thousand, but they might get a decent crowd there, and um, you know, it'd be a decent scrap. You, you can't pick against George anymore. You know, after what George did last week, mm. you know, it's just he's he's very boss. hard to pick against him. Yeah, he's very comfortable. He's very confident, and he's uh, he's pumped. 
he's, he's pumped at the moment. Billy, stay with you. If I can just ask you in, in sort of layman's terms, for a lot of our listeners out there, they may be a little bit confused about you hear the WBO, the IBF, the WBC. Uh, it goes on. And, and it, for, for a non-boxing uh, um, aficionado or um, it can be confusing. When we say that George Cambosis Jr. Has, has won all the belts, well, he won the WBC, but that's a franchise belt. And then the fight that's on in Vegas shortly, I believe, that's the other WBC belt. Can you just explain the difference there? Okay. So, look, WBC franchise title is not recognised from all the other sanctioning bodies. So the IBF... The WBO and the WBA do not recognise this WBC franchise title right. as a world title. It's just it's just a belt that's been given to them. But look, the real WBC champion is Devin Haney. Right. You know, even though a lot of people want to say that it was given to him by via email, whatever way it was given to him. Listen, <laughs> he's proven himself. He stepped in against Linares, who's a genuine contender, a tough man, and he won a good decision against him. Now he gets his opportunity to solidify that in facing Jojo Diaz. So if he beats Jojo Diaz today, people can't take that away from him. He's the current WBC world champion. And obviously him and George are going to get together and work out who the real champion is. That's exactly how it needs to be. Mm. Just rule out all these other Mickey, Mickey Mouse titles and, uh, and, you know, and have a genuine big super fight between Devin Haney and George Cambosis. And the winner's the winner. That's it. The winner of that fight will be the winner of all of them belts and will be recognized as the lineal, undisputed, uh, lightweight champion. That's it. So, Mark, that's if, okay, and that's that's well explained too. So, he is George Cambosis Jr. is the undisputed lightweight champion, but he's not. He's not the absolutely, lineal. Absolutely, absolutely. And I disagree with Billy. And I love him. I did his last amateur show at Tattersalls, but I disagree strongly. I, I believe in one belt. To tell you the truth, I've told you before, the, the Ring Magazine, uh, and respectfully to the former two-time champion on the line there, but he's got a franchise belt. And he got that because he beat Teofimo Lopez. And Lopez beat the man who was Lomachenko. Mm. And I think he is the undisputed. And he has got three belts. And he has got the Ring Magazine belt. So I agree to disagree respectfully with one of my favourite Australian sportsmen, Billy Dick. Billy, Devin Haney takes on <laughs> Diaz today, right? Now, Devin Haney's taking... Yeah. Devin Haney takes on Diaz... So yeah. does he need to beat Diaz then to, to earn the right to, to take on Cambosis? That's correct. The winner of today's belt will, will probably next likely face George Cambosis in a WBC, IBF, WBA, WBO, or a Ring Magazine, Undisputed Championship. You know, Mark's saying that he recognises George. Okay, I, I give George his props, mate. George is a champ. You know, what he did was amazing. And you know what? Um, people were saying a lot of people were saying that Tifima wasn't the undisputed champion. So I'm not sure how you worked that out. You know, like a lot of people mm-hmm. have been trolling. We're actually trolling Tifima, saying, you know, it's disrespectful that you get up on a stage and act like you're an undisputed champion alongside um, Canelo. But when they announced the undisputed champions of the last, I don't know how long, they said there was only six of them, and, and Tifima wasn't one of them. So. Mm-hmm. I, look, boxing is a very confusing sport when it comes to all these belts, but even the WBA, the WBA currently has Javante Davis as a champion as, alongside George Cambosis. So who's the real WBA champion? Is mm. it George Cambosis or is it Javante Davis? Oh, well, I want to I I get this out of the way, and I want it done. I want it black and white. I want us all to be able to say, George Cambosis, you are without doubt the undisputed lightweight champion of the world across all divisions. So let's make that happen. 
Um, but the division itself, Billy, how's it looking now with George sitting at the top of the tree? It looks great. I mean, it's a, it's a stacked division. There's some really big fights there. You've got Javante Davis. You've got Ryan Garcia. You've still got Tiafimo Lopez there. You've got to give him credit for that. You've got, um, uh, you know, you've you got, um, uh, obviously, George is there. So Devin Haney, uh, Jojo Diaz. It's a stacked division now. It's amazing. And when, when George is saying that you know, he'd like to pack out Stadium Australia or a core stadium, as it's called, 80,000 people, that it might be a little bit un- unrealistic. I also heard uh, perhaps a fight at Parramatta Stadium. That sounds a bit more boutique, a bit more realistic to me. Probably, but look, you know, the, uh, the greatest fight the greatest fight that's come onto Australian shore is uh, Manny Pacquiao. And Manny Pacquiao and Jeff Horn mm. did 50,000. Well, yeah. Now, I don't know how they're going to get 80,000, but, I mean, you know, I wish George all the, all the very best. And, um, you know, if you can get 80,000 in the crowd, that, that'd be amazing. You know, but mm. obviously when, when uh, after Jeff Horn fought Manny Pacquiao, he couldn't even get another 10,000 in the crowd. You know, they, they, with, I mean, by himself. But with Mundine, obviously, when you've got a name like Mundine or mm. you've got a name like Danny Green coming in, then obviously you can sell the numbers. But, you know, George is relatively unknown in Australia. You know, it's, uh, mm. his fan base is more American-based. So whether he can sell the numbers or not, I. but look again, I wish him all the very best. It's amazing what he's done for Australian boxing. He's uh, given Australian boxing another breath, uh, breath, breath, uh, breath of fresh mm. air. He's given it a, you know, he's, he's lit the uh, firecracker in everyone's bum. So, you know, it's, it's, an, it's a big, big, uh, big win for Australian boxing. Not just for him, it's for Australian boxing. Absolutely. Billy Dibbs on the line. Mark Warren from Rocked Podcast also. Mark, so this, um, he now, you know, he's the big dog, George. He has the say, really. He's got the belts and um, he wants to take on all comers. He, nothing is beyond him. Um, a really, really exciting time for, for boxing in this country. And you talk about him having a low profile and being well-known over there, but not so much here. Well, I get the feeling that's all about to change. Yeah, hopefully he does. Hopefully he does. Mm. He, he deserves the recognition. You know, after what he did last week, you know, you have to you have to stand up and recognise him. And if you're a hater, you're a hater. But it, you know, either way, you got to respect him. What he's done, what he's done is unbelievable. It's a tremendous victory, and you have to give the man credit. You know, he beat his he beat his, he bought, he beat his time. You know, for, like for years and years and years, he didn't even fight on TV. He fought on um, you know, uh, you know, in obscure venues. And finally, worked himself into a position now to, you know, fight Tifima, and he did the job. You know, no one, no one picked him to win that fight. Not it, look, I was hopeful that he would do it, but I didn't think he would. Mm. And look, he did it, mate. So you got to give the kid credit. Yeah, Mark Tim Zoo. He's attracted many, many headlines, hasn't he, in recent weeks and months? And he's been, I guess, the golden boy. But uh, Cambosis, uh, we're going to be learning a lot more about him in in the months to come. Billy just made some beautiful points, um, and he did mention the tank, Javonta Davis, a giant killer. Um, he did mention Tiafimo still there, and he did mention Devin Haney, absolutely. But I keep going back. I simplify the alphabet soup by saying, if you've got the Ring Magazine title, then you're entitled to say, I've got the lot, and for me, he has. But I tell you about, and also in regards to his profile, don't worry about Australian profile, because I'm watching the zone right now, as Billy probably is, and George Ferocious Cambosis, is front and centre on an on a expert panel with none other than Showtime Sean Porter. So mm. don't worry about that. Eddie Hearn has propelled Cambosis Jr. He's gone Mr. Worldwide. He is a big, big fish, whether Australia uh, recognise as abundantly as they should or not.
Mm. Billy, you're you're not done yet, mate, are you? Um, and some people are saying you're retired. You're not retired. You've got a big fight coming up, haven't you? Uh, tell us more about that. Yeah, so look, I'm, I'm set to face um, uh, Jacob NG on March 19th at Jupiter's Casino in the Gold Coast. Um, obviously, uh, the uh, the rankings show that Jacob NG is currently rated number four in the world with the WBO at lightweight, and he's currently rated number eight in the world with the IBF at lightweight. So mm. obviously, you know, a, a win over um, uh, Jacob NG for me presents another big opportunity, and that big opportunity is obviously, you know, a major showdown with George Cambosis in Australia. So... You know, I um I've spoken to George about it. We had a laugh about it, and um uh, you know obviously um when George was off to America, I said to him, "You do the job mm. against Tifima. I'll do the job against um uh, Jacob Benjamin. If you know if uh, if God wills, maybe me you can have a major showdown in Australia." And he agreed to do it. But um obviously, you know, there's a lot of things on the platter for him now. You know, obviously there's a lot of big fights for him. But in regards to doing an all Australian battle. A fight between me and George Cambosis is something that I think Australian boxing would love. Oh, well, geez, wouldn't that be nice, fellas? We What's your uh, thoughts, Mark? Hey, Mark, I'd love that. Well, Mark, 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 Mark wants to be the ring announcer if he can, or comms. Well, if the price if the price is right, I've done <laughs> it for Billy the Kid. We've we've toured Japan and we we came back without the victory that we wanted on that night, but we've been together. We we get into the trenches together, but I. I, I love Billy the Kid. I, if that's the way he wants to ride out into the sunset, then that be the case. He knows I'll always have him in my heart. But, um, yeah, he knows it would be some sort of mission. However, the business side of things is Cambosis Jr., I'm pretty sure, will look for a, I've got to say this respectfully with Billy there on the line, a, a keep active fight before his next, given the current climate travels and so forth that are still in place. Would that be right, Bill? Yeah, I definitely feel that way, but uh, but that that um uh, that won't be against me. No. You know, I mean, obviously George will look to get getting back in the ring by I would say maybe you know March, April next year. So you know, obviously um uh, with me fighting Jacob and Jim March nineteenth, that's that's definitely not going to be me. You know? I mean, and I'm who, no, who might it be, Billy? Anyway, who might it be? Who might it be ahead of a fight with Haney? Uh, okay, this is only my opinion, and obviously you know. Uh, when you're a champion and you when you when you win the world title and you, and you, they the sanctioning bodies allow you to make a voluntary defense and if the zone is coming to Australia which is what's been said and Eddie Hearn's going to come to Australia then I believe this is only my thoughts that that George Cambosis' the next opponent will be George, uh, Brock Jarvis that's what I believe wow. I believe Brock Jarvis is rated in the top 15 in the world with the IBF and in order to get an opportunity at the title, you need to be rated in the top 15. So I feel that George Cambosis' next opponent on Australian soil will definitely be uh, Brock Jarvis. That's just my opinion. That's me looking in from the outside, and I, you know, I've heard rumours about it. And obviously, it makes sense because the zone's coming into Australia, and then you know, and it's mm. a big fight on Australian soil. But you know, mm. whether whether Brock um, pre- presents any um, challenge. That's another story, you know what I mean? But uh, we'll just see what happens. Wouldn't we like to see that? Fellas, we've run out of time. I appreciate the chat. Billy Dibb, as always, thanks for joining in. Mark Warren from Rocked Podcast. This is Rocked. Lovely stuff. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, we'll mate, talk again mate. soon. No worries, mate. Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. There they are. All right, we'll take a break. Back with more. You bet it is Sports Central. Uh, you got to push the right buttons here. That was my fault there. Um,
James Moffat is the outright leader. Um, Gartanda in second. So the co-drivers are back in the seats uh, for most of uh, the cars on the mountain at the moment. We're 71 laps through 161. So uh, the lead drivers, uh, the co-drivers rather, uh, taking over for uh, for the next uh, part of time. We're going to take another break very shortly. Keep those texts coming too, by the way. 0457 736 736. Got quite a few of them here in the inbox. Uh, we're asking for what is your your wow moment in the world of sport? Or you can drop me a text about anything. Uh, if you like, we can we can go through that as well. We can talk some cricket, motorsport, footy. Uh, I've got a text here too. Daniel, I'll get through that in the next hour about, um, about the hectic cheese. Brandon Smith at Melbourne Storm. Loads for us to sink our teeth into. Coming up in the next hour, uh, we're going to talk more motorsport. Hopefully I can get hold of Matt McKeldin. He busted his shoulder driving in the Trans Am um, series yesterday morning. He's out there at the mountain. We'll talk to him after the next break. That if John Aloisi can score this goal... Australia will be there. Are you sure? Not sure what to do on that. 4 2. He wins it for us. John. Here's Aloisi for a place in the World Cup. He's scored! Australia have got it! Come on! John Aloisi, the Confederations Cup hero, has done it in the biggest game of all. Were you there? Were you there? Were you there? John Aloisi, a penalty shootout, wasn't it? In the end there, uh, Uruguay, 2006, were you there? That's definitely a wow moment. You might be asking, why are we, why are we playing that? Well, if you're just ju- uh, tuning into the show, again, welcome to Sports Central. Chris Warren with you up until 5 o'clock. We're covering all sorts of sports here. Fair bit of motor racing as well. Uh, they are still going, and they'll be going for another couple of hours at least on Mount Panorama, 74 of 161 laps. James Moffat out in front uh, and Garth Tander in second place at the moment. So the co-drivers are at the wheel. Um, and Deep Pasquale, I think he his car at the moment is the fastest on the track. He's in third position. Uh, we'll keep you uh, across that as we go. Uh, we're asking wow moments. And this came basically, I was just thinking aloud yesterday afternoon after Chaz Mostert. He did the fastest ever lap at Mount Panorama. Fastest ever lap. A wow moment, wasn't it? And then in cricket yesterday, um, this New Zealand spin bowler, Ajaz Patel, uh, he made the headlines and became just the third player in history to take 10 wickets in a test match innings. Yeah, quite remarkable. And another wow moment in the space of 24 hours. So I thought I'd throw that out there to our listeners today uh, when I came in here, uh, send them through. What are your wow moments? Things that have really made you take up and and uh, take notice. And that certainly certainly was one, wasn't it? Aloisi and has gone down in, in folklore, John. Um, and some of the others too. We might dig out too. What about Winks, the mighty mayor? Winks, um, 33 straight. I mean, that was a wow moment, the final one there. Other sporting wow moments that we've got. Um, what about if we're talking cricket? And I don't know if you've got this one here on file Um JP, Justice of the Peace. I don't know if you've got this. I think you might have. That ball by Steve Harmison, it set the tone of the entire series. I was talking about this last weekend, actually. And he was talking about it too. I mean, that's the first question people ask Steve when they bump into him these days, particularly 
on the eve of an Ashes series. They want to go back and talk about that ball. I mean, it was caught by a second slip. That's how bad it was. And it was the first, very first ball. And as you know, the rest was history. We won the series 5-zip. First ball, the first test match. Whoa, wide delivery taken and slipped by the skipper. The nerves are showing already. Gee, that was quick, wasn't it? Wow. He can't live that down, Steve Harmison. Um, but another wow moment. Keep them coming through. You might have some wow moments uh, yourselves over, well, any decade, any sport. JP, what are some other wow moments you can think of, and, and even better if you've got audio of them? Well, I'll try to find audio of this. I remember Manny Pacquiao knocking out Ricky Hatton. It was in Las Vegas. I'm trying to remember what year it was. Maybe it was 05 or maybe 04 or 05. But um, I still think that Stephen Smith double century at Old Trafford in 2019 when he got 219, yeah. which was just absolutely extraordinary. You could say it's the making of Steve Smith. It certainly it, it was almost, mm. and he was in a rich vein of form. Mm. Um, and then it sort of all went a bit pear shape. He's back now, there, Steve Smith, and he. It's probably been difficult for Smith too. It, you know, recent discussions of of who's going to be the captain and overlooked for the captaincy, although able to assume a, a leadership role. Um, it's unlikely, isn't it, that Steve Smith? I think will will be the the permanent the full-time captain maybe ever again. I, I, I'm sure that he will probably through this Ashes series um, be the captain if Pat Cummins is not there or if Pat Cummins is rested and hopefully, touch wood, Pat Cummins doesn't get, uh, doesn't get injured. Excuse me, Chris, I just got breaking Don't news. Don't need to excuse yourself, sir. Um, <laughs> um, Australian just named their Test 11 a few minutes ago. And if it's all right, we can, if we're able to go through it. I think we should. I'd let, me, let me guess. David Warner, mm-hmm. Marcus Harris. Mm-hmm. Okay. Manus Labuschagne. Yep. Okay. Steve Smith. Yes. Okay. Travis Head. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cameron Green. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Alex Carey. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 Um, Nathan Lyon. Yes. Pat Cummins. Yes. Josh Hazelwood. Yes. Mitchell Stark. Yes. There you go. Did I get a tick? Thank you. Thank you. I think we are. So I think we... Yeah, they, hey, I didn't even know. When did these guys turn up? Oh, I think we just saw them on the street there, Chris. When did, I didn't know we had the live audience in here today. <laughs> just open the doors. Yes. <laughs> they came in with the Australian cricket selectors. Yes. All oh, right. Well, no, welcome. Welcome again. Well, that's our higher ground crew that are normally here on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but mm-hmm. they can no longer be here on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday no. because that's gone, over, kaput, mm-hmm. gonski. Mm-hmm. Higher ground's no longer. Are the regulars here? Is Dave up the back? God, I don't think we can see him. Davo, is he not? He's normally in here, Davo. We're at Dingo. Who's that? <laughs> Who's that goose? I think that was just someone heckling. Someone. What about Dingo? Is he up there? No, I can't see Dingo. He's got to be. But I think I can Man. hear. Chris, I think someone's having a. Oh. That's no, that'd be dog's breath. <laughs> he comes in on a Monday or a Friday night normally. I'm over back, Chris. Yeah, see, there he is. 
All right, keep those texts coming through. Sorry, we just having a bit of fun there. Uh, 0457 736 736. So there you go. The Australian uh, 11 named. He was playing his cards a bit close to his chest last night or yesterday afternoon, Justin Langer, but there you go. Um, I got the 11. And so 12th man. Was it named on the list? No, there you go. I got the 11. Perfect. Uh, okay, keep those texts coming through. Wow moments, and I'll get through as many as I can. Daniel from uh, Prairie Wood. I uh, will read yours in just a moment. Uh, no, let me do that now. And this is away from cricket. But Daniel from Prairie Wood writes this. And good afternoon to you, mate, as well. Uh, g'day, Chris. What seems to have been lost in translation uh, in the fallout with Brandon Smith is that Melbourne Storm still have, um, who many still consider the game's best hooker at their disposal, Harry Grant, who is a Queensland origin rep and will undoubtedly be challenging Damien Cook for the Kangaroos test jersey at next year's World Cup. Yes, I believe he will. Smith was and will most likely play as a middle forward for Melbourne in 2022 with Harry Grant occupying the hooking role autonomously. With Jaden Nicarima uh, and Tyron Wishart playing back up to Grant, uh, Storm are blessed with depth in the hooking role. Daniel from Prairie Wood. And yes, they are. They are. They have got lots of depth. And I'll add another name to that too, Daniel. Bronson Garlic has uh, signed with them too. Uh, yeah, he of Garlow's Pies, Sean's young bloke, Bronson. Garlow's Pies will give them a bit of a plug as well. Why not? So they got... Yeah. Uh, are they contributing? I don't know. That, I don't think they're contributing at the moment to this station's commercial well-being. But anyway, who cares? They're a friend of mine, friend of the family. Yeah, so Bronson's down there, and he had to give up um, well, a pretty important role out there with Garlow's Pies. He was sort of doing a lot of the marketing stuff. And he's uh, now based down in Melbourne. So I wish him all the best. So your point being, uh, they have got a fair bit of depth there. I'll throw another point in that you say um, that's with Brandon Smith playing a middle forward role next year. There's two ways to look at this. And you heard David Riccio on the line earlier on in the show. I mean, his thoughts only, and I don't think he had any inside knowledge, but he reckons that Melbourne should just let him go, Brandon Smith. If Brandon Smith can find a 12-month stopgap gig, which I'm sure he would be able to find, it's not ideal, is it? You want a player for a few years, but a player of his ability, um, I guess a bit like George Cambosis, he's got the belts and uh, people will talk to you. He's got the runs on the board. Brandon Smith, he was arguably, he was the best hooker, wasn't he? Uh, of, of all clubs, really, last year. But do you want to sign a player for one year? A player that just wants to come and keep the seat warm for 12 months, earn as much cash as he can before he goes on to the Roosters. What's to say that if that was to happen, that Brandon Smith might also start talking up the Roosters while he's at his new club for 12 months? Who knows? But I agree with David Riccio. I, I don't see, and I said this a couple of days ago, I forget who I was talking to, and yesterday to Andrew Webster as well. I said, I don't see how Brandon Smith, how that relationship is now. I can't see Brandon Smith being the Brandon Smith who was so good last year. Given all that's gone on in the last week or so, I just can't see how that relationship um, is going to mend. Not just with Craig Bellamy and the football staff, but the other departments at Melbourne Storm who 
he sort of betrayed a bit. He sort of spoke out of school a bit. Spoke of his desire to go and win a premiership with the Roosters. You know, if I'm running a club, that's not the sort of stuff I want to hear from one of my blue chip players. So he's going in 2023. And I don't know. I reckon he might be gone in 2022, Daniel, from Prairie Wood. I guess we'll just have to wait and see, won't we? But uh, what, whatever club you might support, listeners, who, who's your club? Come on, let me know. Would you take Brandon Smith on a 12-month deal? West Tigers, that looks to be maybe the place of most interest that we're hearing about. But West Tigers have either expressed interest in B. Smith or Melbourne Storm have made inquiries to the West Tigers about taking Brandon Smith for 12 months. But if I was to ask you and send me a text or pick up the phone and have a, have a, have a chat, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Any rugby league fans out there um, that would like to see Brandon Smith at their club on a one-year deal? So this is a short-term relationship. Not quite a one-night stand, but certainly not wedding bells. He's there for 12 months and you can get the most out of him. You can get the most out of him. Squeeze all the juice you like out of the cheese. Would you take him for 12 months? Let me know. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Do you want Brandon Smith at your club on a 12-month deal? Okay, stay in touch with us. Again, that number, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Or if you don't want to chat to me, I don't know why. I mean, I won't bite you. I won't bite your hand off. You can send a text if you want to convey your, your feelings through the text line. 0457 736 736 is that text line. We're going to talk a bit more motorsport. Uh, Garth Tander is in the lead at the moment. Craig Lowndes is in second place. And Lee Holdsworth is in third place. So all the big guns up the top ding-dong battle. Uh, still a long, long way to go. And pretty much all the cars now, well, I'd say about 90% of them, uh, do have the co-drivers uh, in the chair, in the seat. So uh, we're going to talk motorsport um, shortly. I have managed to track down Matt McKeldon. And for those of you who are regular listeners to uh, SEN, uh, you will know that, uh, now what night is it? Wednesday nights, I'm pretty sure it is, uh, the driver's seat on a Wednesday night. Or was it a Monday night? Either way, Wednesday night. Matt McKeldon Co., a good show too. Uh, and they, I'm pretty sure, have finished up for the year. But Matt is a driver and has been a driver for a number of years. I got hold of him. He had a crash yesterday. Yes, he's fine. No, he's good. He's good. Busted shoulder, out of hospital. Uh, I rang him in the last break. I said, where are you? He said, I'm on the mountain with some of the sponsors. Well, <laughs> you know what that means, don't you? You know what that means if you're on the mountain with some of the sponsors. I mean, yes, exactly. Uh, but that's what they do. That's what they do. And oh, you know, if you've just busted your shoulder and you got out of hospital, just put one of those on it, one of those nice cold cans on, on the shoulder, on the AC joint. Beautiful. Anyway, he's going to jump on the line and have a chat um, about his crash. He'll be able to uh, give us an update too of uh, how things are going and, and which are the fastest cars at the moment. 80 laps gone of 161 in the Bathurst 1000.
Yeah, welcome back to Sports Central. Chris Warren with you up until uh, five o'clock this afternoon. Um, great to have your company here. I, I imagine at some point today you've probably drifted in or out of the lounge room or you might well be uh, stuck on, on the lounge chair now with the radio on and the TV on as well. Um, and the kids are going mad around you. It's coming up to 18 past three. Um, Bathurst 1000, it's one of the biggest days of the sporting year, even whether you whether you follow motorsport closely or not. I think we all sort of tune in and out, don't we, to the Bathurst 1000, or at least like to be kept abreast of what's going on on the mountain. The only, I think, the best way to go uh, to, to find out what's happening is, is go to the mountain itself. And if we can find someone who's on the mountain right now, who's almost trackside and, and gone to a little uh, quiet place to chat to us, we should do that. And that is exactly what we have done. Uh, we're crossing now to Matt McKeldin. He is the uh, the host of Driver's Seat. He's also a driver himself who came a cropper yesterday. Good afternoon, Matt. How are you? Chris, mate, I'm okay. I'm feeling like someone who's crashed a car at 160 k's an hour. Um, <laughs> unfortunately... Yesterday, my uh, Trans Am Mustang car hit the wall just at the tree, uh, just coming up under the tree after the cutting at Mount Panorama. And Jeez. whilst uh, I spent the night in hospital, the car is uh, not sure that we're going to be able to resurrect her, unfortunately. It, uh, there's not a corner that's untouched on it, unfortunately. So, oh, oh well, that's what you do when you, when you, when you drive a mm. big, fast race car. You have big, fast accidents and just lucky that uh, I stepped out of it. A little bit of bruising. In my kidney area, and I had a dislocated shoulder, so I spent a long time in hospital yesterday. But otherwise, I think probably the biggest invoice I'll pay is when I get back to see my wife. She'll probably give you a fair old hard time about uh, oh, good, maybe yeah. hanging up the helmet. Yeah, well, uh, just tell our listeners, Matt, too, a little bit about your background. They probably know you and those that listen to, uh, tune in each week on the driver's seat. But your background then, how long have you been driving and what is your experience at Mount Panorama? Look, I've been driving for race cars for probably 20 years. I've done multiple Bathurst 12-hour events. I'm a multiple-class winner in the Bathurst 12-hour. I've done lots of driver training around the mountain um, and have driven all categories, um, you know, including up to a little bit of the uh, development series and other bits and pieces in supercar land. So, you know, I'd like to think that I am experienced. I've done hundreds of laps around Mount Panorama. It's uh, been very kind to me, but unfortunately... Um, in the last 24 hours, it bit me quite mm. hard. In fact, I had two accidents this weekend. So mm. the 2021 edition of the Bathurst 1000 for a weekend for me, I'm quite happy to walk away with. <laughs> you And I was saying earlier, um, and I got a couple of texts from our listeners, to, to win the Bathurst 1000, so many things have to go, go right for you, don't they, um, and your team. The planets almost have to align. We'll talk about the current race at the moment, but just on your own experience, Matt, so you, you're very experienced. You know you know the track so, so well. What went wrong? Mm-hmm. What went wrong? From my point of view, uh, look, in my accident, I, I, look, I haven't even really had a look at data at the, or any vision or any of that sort of stuff. I have watched the television coverage, and there was a, a pretty good shot of it from, from behind the car as I started to have a lose. Look, I was just chasing someone. The car stepped up, or I let, let it step up onto... A ripple strip as I was uh, coming up through a, a famous area called, they call it under the tree, just past the cutting. And the car just went up on the ripple strip. Then all of a sudden, as it came off the ripple strip, it started to move to the right and head towards the wall. And, you know, you're doing close to 160K, 170K an hour there. And yeah. I, I tried to catch it. I just wasn't particularly successful on this occasion. And 
I overcorrected the car and uh, it went in backwards. It was 4.8 G on impact, uh, positive, and mm. then uh, it bounced to the other side of the wall and went to 2.7 G negative. So uh, that's what popped out my shoulder, unfortunately. We thought I'd broken my collarbone, but yeah. ended up being a popped shoulder. And uh, the, the fine folk at the Bathurst Hospital uh, took great care of me and, and released me uh, late yesterday afternoon. But, you know... I, Famously, Chris, with racing drivers, typically you will ask them what happened and mm. they'll say that there was a failure in the car or they made a mistake or someone did something. Mate, I've got to be honest with you, I think I just screwed up on this occasion. Yeah. It was just one of those things and one of those moments where the car got away from me and mm. and uh, unfortunately, the, the car and me have paid a fairly heavy price. Well, it doesn't take much, does it? And it does not take much at all. And so that was in the Trans Am series. What are the sort of speeds these guys are going around now at? So the average speed would be about, what, 160, 180 or more? And what would the top speed be? Yeah, top speed down Conrod Strait, just before you turn into the chase in a supercar, is just under 300 kilometres an hour. It's the fastest mm. corner in Australian motorsport. Yeah. Um, average, yeah, you'd probably be right there, about 160, 170 k an hour, which in the old language is 100 mile an hour, yeah. which, whilst it doesn't sound a heck of a lot, right. this is a speed at what you're, when you're turning the car, floating the car over a hill, uh, making it change direction very quickly applying brakes, applying throttle, gear changes, defending, attacking. There is a lot going on in that average speed of 160, 170 kilometres an hour. So it takes an enormous amount of skill. It takes an enormous amount of focus Mm. and concentration and teamwork to be able to get around here successfully. That's just putting a lap together. But to then strategize a race, add a co-driver, add fuel, add mechanical issues or, uh, or breakdowns, then all of a sudden it becomes a very, very big thing. And I think that's why when you win the Bathurst 1000, um, anyone who wins it, both driver and team, have really achieved something quite extraordinary. Mm. Uh, we're talking about injuries and perils of the sport, and it's part and parcel with the sport injuries. And I want to talk about Chaz Moster in a moment. I'm talking to Matt McKeldon, who dry, raced yesterday in the Trans Division, Trans Am Division, and, and came a cropper. He's up on the mountain, as you can tell, and my God, they're loud. He's uh, with his spo- <laughs> You're with the sponsors. I imagine your doctor or medico said, Matt, the best thing for this shoulder now is probably ice. And said doctor didn't mean in a glass, but I imagine that's that's part. <laughs> I imagine that's part and parcel. Yes, part and parcel of the whole experience up there with your sponsors. Well, yeah, you're right, and, and yes, well, I think my medicos would be fairly annoyed that I was up here at the moment. However, you know, I've got I've got great backing from a company called Kubota. Um, Big sponsor plug there. They've been with me for a number of years. They're exceptionally loyal to me, and um, we've got partners up. We've got they're all up here at the moment enjoying this wonderful day. So there was no way that I was going to sit in bed and feel sorry for myself. The Good. Best thing is to get up, have a shower, and go back up to the mountain. That's it. That's it. Don't get back on the horse. Just, just stay out of the car, though. So let's have a look at it then. Let's go back to the pole sitter, Chaz Mostert. Uh, amazing. Given you talk about injuries and what happened to him well, five or six years ago, I mean, he almost lost his life. And it must be hard yeah. for a driver uh, like yourself who've had, I guess, serious crashes, but to, to block that out of your mind. Yeah, it is. And, and look, that accident that we saw with Chaz a couple of years ago, as you rightly say, was absolutely massive. Um, a very scary accident, broke a number of bones and put him out for for quite a few months. In fact, finished his season that year. Um, you know, it's quite, a, it's quite a weird one, Chris. You 
when you do this, you know that crashes are going to be part and parcel of your career and what mm. you do. Sometimes you have little ones, sometimes you have big ones. But again, it, it sounds corny, but you do have to get back on the horse. If you, mm. if you allow this to beat you, if you take any fear into the car or anything like that, you might as well stay on the couch. Mm. So the best thing to do for any driver, I believe, who's had a, a, a big accident is to get yourself physically well because there's no use in trying to implant yourself into a into a car when you're not fit. That's really dangerous. But once you get in it and you start, the focus is so heavy inside the car that you forget about, to a degree, fear. You forget about trepidation. You're so focused on keeping the car in one piece and yourself in one piece that all you do is focus on the driving. So, I mean, Chaz, as you rightly say, had that horrible accident and yet put it on pole position for uh, for the race this weekend, so he has certainly bounced back from that and uh, is well within contention for this year's race. I'm just looking at the, um, the the leaderboard, if you like, at the moment. 86 laps of 161. So uh, Chaz Mostert, well, he's not driving at the moment. Lee Holdsworth is out in front. Uh, James Moffat in second. Garth Tander in third. So pretty much all the co-drivers are at the wheel at the moment. Yeah, and, and as you said. Lee Holdsworth is in the car at the moment. He's Chazzy's co-driver. So he uh, he and Chazzy have done an amazing job. There's only been a couple of cars put out so far. Um, Scott Pye in the DeWalt entry has uh, has stopped with a power steering issue. That was one of the first uh, cars to retire. And Will Brown, who was an early favourite, and he's also a crowd mm. favourite, unfortunately also had power steering issues. They are now a number of laps down in the race. But we're about halfway through. It's been a relatively quiet race so far. Been a number of brake changes that I think probably caught the, the uh, teams a little bit by surprise. They're a little bit ahead of schedule, so that's obviously very hard on brakes this year. The pace is up, but we haven't seen safety cars in any major issues at the moment. And Chazzy and Lee in the WAU Commodore are just peppering along quite nicely. Of course, they've got the likes of Garth Tander, Shane Van Gisberg and Jamie Whitcup in his last full-time uh, race. Mm. Um, they, they are all bearing down, but there's a, an old saying, you've got to buy yourself a ticket to the last sort of 20 laps of this race or the last stint. Yeah. And so that's going to be the focus of everyone right now. It's no use in throwing away the farm right now in a, mm. in a you know low percentage pass or do something like that. This is the middle part of the race where you've just got to be calm. Yeah. You've got to be consistent and precise and hopefully get yourself to that end at the uh, at the 161 lap mark. Gee, a lot goes into it, doesn't it? You're right. I mean, it's the car, it's the driver, it's the changeovers, the fuel, the tactics. I mean, and at the moment, it's just that sort of stabilising period through the middle of the race. All right, mate, if, if you were to... Um, who, who would your money be on now? Who's top step of the podium, um, given what you've seen so far today? Well, as I've said, right on the driver's seat for the last couple of months, uh, I reckon Chaz and Lee Holdsworth were my roughies to try and uh, to take the victory. But again, trying to pick the winner of the Bathurst 1000 is harder to pick than a broken nose. You just never know what's going to happen. We've still got half the race to go. Uh, there could be safety cars. There could be mechanical failures. There might even be a little bit of weather as I look out to the west mm. of the mountain at the moment. Uh, we might find ourselves with a wet finish. So a lot to play out here at Mount Panorama for the 2021 Bathurst 1000. 
Mate, I appreciate your time. Matt, you get back to your sponsors and, and do what you need to do there. Just before you go, I've got a text from one of our listeners here. We're talking about wow moments in sport and, and Chaz Mostert yesterday being the fastest lap. That was a, a wow moment. And you, you can't talk Bathurst without talking the king of the mountain in, in late Peter Brock, who won nine Bathurst 1000s, didn't he? There was one that was from start to finish he led. What year would that have been? Do you know? Oh, I reckon that was 76, maybe, maybe. in the Serrano. All right. Okay. Might well, have I... been 76. You're going to catch me on, on, no, on the hop right. there on that one? No, that's all right. I wasn't sure myself, and I thought you might know. I don't want to throw you under the, <laughs> under the bus. You've had enough damage to one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> enough damage to your body for one day. All right, buddy. Appreciate it, Matt. Get back to the mountain, and thanks for joining us, mate, on, on SEN Sports Central. Good on you, Chris. I really appreciate it. Thank you, mate. Great stuff. And uh, it's really nice of Matt to, to take time out of his days. He's been in the bloody wars. Oh, what did he say? He's hit the wall at 160 clicks. Oh, my Lord. I mean, good thing he got a helmet on. So he's busted his shoulder. And you know what? And it is part and parcel of being a, a racing driver. You know you're going to be in accidents, right? Inevitably, you will be in accidents. Hopefully not too serious. And you're going to have some bumps and some bruises. And you're going to have some broken bones. And you, you sign up. You sign up for it. When you're, and uh, so his wife and partners uh, that, that have husbands or partners who are race drivers, it must be bloody nervous. You know, you know, what might happen out on the track today? But that's what they love doing. That's what they love doing. And, you know, and, and footy players too, rugby league players. You, you know there's going to be a lot of injuries. And you know that uh, when you get to... My age, uh, you know, you're going to be you're going to be feeling the pinch from broken bones and operations and surgery. And but would you change it? No way, no way in the world. Um, and that's the beauty of sport, isn't it? We're going to talk some basketball next. Uh, I'm going to try and locate no looksy Brooksy. You're listening to Sports Central. It's coming up to 27 minutes to four. Yes, indeed. We're talking about wow, wow moments. And uh, the Mighty Mayor winks 33 in a row. 33 in a row. Wow! Wow! What a partnership. Oh, Gussie, I bet you were on her too uh, at some point. Um, Four Cox plates, was it? Four Cox plates. Um, I've lost count of how many group ones. Um, but just an amazing, an amazing horse, a generational horse, you know, one that we 
the likes of we won't see again. Certainly a wow moment. And it takes a special horse, doesn't it, that that gets people outside of even racing that just want to follow her and get on board and, and keep this winning run going, whether you like racing or not. An absolute legend. Bowman on board, trained by Waller. Um, 43 starts, 37 wins, and three seconds. But 33 consecutive, hey? Yeah, what a horse. Um, and moment, you know, the whole lot was a wink. You know, the, the few years that we had with winks, that was a wow, a wow moment. Uh, keep them coming through, your wow moments. Uh, we're going to talk some NBA uh, very shortly. I don't know if Brooksy's been on the, got on the line yet. We'll try and uh, track him down. No looksy Brooksy. And we'll talk some NBA. I wonder what he's up to at the moment. I tell you what, Brooksy will definitely have a wow moment. Um, you can bet your bottom dollar on that. Daniel from Prairie Wood writes this on 0457 736 736. And it gets a little bit complicated. It's all about the rights broadcast deal. Chris with News Corp reporting the ARL Commission set to announce a new free-to-air broadcast deal with nine as early as tomorrow estimated around the 600 million mark over a five-year period. It's said that this new broadcast rights revenue will be the most lucrative yet, hitting the $2 billion mark. So despite the deal with Nine being down on previous deal of $625 million, can we assume that Foxtel have outlaid $1.4 billion? Um, well, I don't know so much. They will have, They have had to fork out more. Foxtel, you will recall for the um, you know the introduction of the Dolphins. Um, I know Foxtel had to come to the party a bit more, but that was only to the tune of seventy-five mil, I believe. Um, don't know off the top of my head, mate, Daniel. But thanks for your text anyway. It, it's a little bit complicated because there's so many other areas to factor in as well, um, sub licensing and and who pays who, how much for what, and then there's the digital rights as well. Um, but anyway, a $2 billion deal has got to be good for our sport, right? Got to be good for our sport. All right, now time to talk a little bit of uh, basketball. Well, not a little bit of basketball. We'll, we'll talk a, a lot of basketball. And to do just that is uh, no looksy brooksy. He is the executive producer slash talent slash fourth wheel, third wheel of Drive with Joel and Fletch. He's got his own, he's got his own jingle, I think. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl with a good I would call her. I wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat and a six for a baller. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl with a good I would call her. I wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat and a six for a baller. I wish I was a little bit taller. How are you, Brooksy? Every time I hear that song, like those, I wish I was a, yeah, and I'm like, yep, 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 all of those, yep, okay, yeah, this is really my song. This is good. Uh, no, you're <laughs> How not. How you doing, Chris? I'm good, mate. You're not short, though. You, what, you'd be about six foot, wouldn't you? You're, go, you're going Yeah, okay. I think so. Just above, yeah. Ripped? Yeah, you always. Ripped, full of muscle, six pack? Six one, six two, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I guess so. Like you always want something, always looking over the fence, right? I thought you always want a little bit more. That's what they were always saying. Now, what have you been? Up, what have you been up to today? Oh, I had a quiet one. I'm thinking of going to the Big Bash tonight. Ah. I just live down in Pado, so I thought I might go on see yeah. what the weather's doing. I might uh, stroll on over to the SCG and watch the watch the three peat potential yeah. of the Sixers. Yeah. I like them. They're a really good team. I, 
We've got yeah. some characters. We've got Sock on our show a couple of times um, yeah. throughout the year. He's a character, isn't I, he? I just, yeah, Dan Christian was on this week. They're all good blokes. They're, all, they're easy to like. I can see myself wearing a magenta jersey this summer if, mm. it's, if it's a bit dull. Mm, I think it would suit you. Some things up with his weather. I think, yeah, it, I think it would suit you. Um, a bit like the colour of Lloyd Pope's hair too. <laughs> you had him on during the week. Hey, we had him on too. Yeah. He's a good, good bloke. He's yeah. going to be a bit sad that Brathwaite's not coming out. They were, yeah. they were bromancing last season. But yeah, yeah. I, think, I think they're in for a very good shake of a three-peat. Well, I think you should head over to the SCG, giving you uh, in the precinct and, and just, just soak it up and have a couple of shandies. NBA. Uh, so the Bulls have beaten the Nets by four. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good game. I, I This was the game I really wanted to watch today. And I... I just, I just thought the Bulls showed that they're for real. Like the Nets don't have Kyrie mm. still because he doesn't want to get vaccinated, and the Bulls stars, Levine, DeRozan was amazing in the last quarter. They had some. That, so Alex Caruso only played six minutes. He was a signing from the Lakers this year, Chris, and he's been, he leads the league in steals, like a defensive dynamo, real dog-like defense. He's got really good uh, hops as well. Can throw down a dunk. He's an energetic sort of player. Mm. They lost him early on. And I was sort of wondering who would step up for him, for him in his spot because he's got, been a great addition. They had a couple of couple of young guys off the bench. Uh, Dozunmu, who's one of their rookies this year, he had 11 points, three boards. He was, he was just getting in all the passing lanes. He was really good. And just, they played some really good team basketball. So they're now 15 and 8. Nets 16 and 6. So they're sort of wedged themselves in between the Nets and the Bucks. So I think Bulls fans, there are still a lot of Bulls fans in Australia from the Jordan Pippen Longley sort of era. I think they're excited. Like we're 23 games into their season and they're, they're competing. And the DeRozan Levine combination, which everyone was like, will it work? Won't it work? It's actually working. They're, they're both averaging over 20 points a game. Today, they're both impressive, having 60 of the 111 points. But yeah, I, I think I think they've got I think they've got they can put their hand up and go yeah we're going to challenge the uh, Nets and the Bucks this year. And Golden State, Brooksy, uh, did you see that coming? Beaten by San Antonio. Well, I thought about it. Mm. I was like they had a big big win last night, Friday night, San Francisco. Um, Just their quick backups, all, I, aren't they? I, I, yeah, well, that two home games for them, mm. so they didn't have to go too far. But um, they they. Like, Steph didn't play that much of the back end of the game yesterday. And um, the young guys off the bench sort of stood up and, and, you know, played a lot of those minutes. So I think they were thinking about that once they knew it was in the bag. But you know what? You, you beat, you knocked the um, Suns off 18 straight games. I think a few of them could have headed out after the game last night in San Fran and had a couple of Jager bombs, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, the Spurs, the Spurs young team came in and. Um, did really well. They, they outscored him 36 to 21 in the first quarter. They got this guy. So Paddy, Paddy obviously left the Spurs. He, he knew that they were sort of transitioning to a young team. They drafted a lot of young guys in the last few seasons. And mm. one of them was this DeJounte Murray. He did his ACL early on in his career, but he's proving to be the star of those picks that they've had in the last few years. He had 23 points, 12 boards, seven assists. He's, he's a rangy point guard, very long, like, He's, oh, you, they're building around him and he's just so good to watch. He's so smooth and just, he, he just dominated today. And yeah, the Warriors couldn't get any momentum. They pretty much trailed the whole match and, and couldn't get into it.
there were half a dozen games. We won't go through all of them, but I see the Bucks had a yeah. comfortable, comfortable win over Miami. Yeah, this was interesting because there was quite a few injuries in this one, like prior to the game. So uh, the Heat were without Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, who's their, their two stars. Uh, the Bucks had Giannis out. It seems like they're they're monitoring his situation. He's got he's got a couple of niggling injuries. And Grayson Allen, who's been one of their stars this year, um, off the bench when Holiday and Middleton were out. So there wasn't the, the star power was out. Three big guys were out of this game, and it's always interesting to see when you've got competing teams like the Heat and the Bucks, who will be there, probably there in the playoffs, to see who stands up. And there was a few young guys in the games that played really well. Connaughton for the Bucks had 23 points. Um, they had had Wes Matthews and, and um, DeMarcus Cousins, who are veterans that have, they've signed mm. in the last few weeks because they've had this injury toll. And they, they're sort of clicking. Like, I think we've talked about the Bucks sort of going up the, going up the ladder now. They're in a third in the East, um, tied with the Heat now on 14 wins and nine losses. But yeah, the Heat, they're pretty much just riding out the injuries of Adebayo and um, Butler. Butler should be coming back soon. I think Bam's out for another three weeks with a broken thumb. So, yeah, it's up to the guys, the bench guys, those start like Kyle Lowry, who they got from the Raptors, to sort of fill that role, keep winning, keep them up the top, so that when the boys come back, they're still they're still up there at about um, with home court for the first round of the playoffs and yeah, get themselves into a situation where they can get some continuity and, yeah, mm. really get ready for the playoffs. We'll talk about the NBL in a moment too. There's a couple of games on as we speak, mm. though, still in the NBA. And uh, what do we got there? Celtics are leading uh, Portland 98-82. to 82, And uh, Sacramento Kings are leading the Clippers 72-70. to 70. So those uh, couple of games still to be played. NBL-wise, mate, if we, we quickly touch on, on that. And, and just out of interest, I mean, you love your NBA, right? And a lot of, you know, a lot of people do. Yeah. Do you focus as much attention on the NBL? I mean, do you, uh, the Kings, your team and for the average fan out there that might also be, you know, an NBA nut, are they increasingly sort of adopting an NBL team as well? We'll see. I, I don't watch too much of the NBL. I, I have, cause I was born in Wollongong. I mm. sort of was a Steelers fan. I went for the Hawks. I went for the Wolves, any team that sort of represented the area. So, and, and I've lived most of my life in Sydney. But it's sort of hard. Like I, I, I enjoy. I, I like watching the Kings. I like when they're successful. But it's, if it's Kings or Hawks, I'll Hawks. go. I'll defer to the Hawks. But yeah, the I think you're seeing these young guys coming over from the states and a lot from Europe this year actually that are using this Next Stars program to sort of get into the NBA and to get some get some hours and minutes on the court against adults rather than other 18, 19 year olds, which you're seeing a lot in college. And that's what the, the lure of Lamelo and RJ Hampton coming out a couple of seasons ago was, that they're playing against men, playing against international players for the Australia and other countries instead of playing these young guys at college. So mm. I think that's been a really good thing that the NBL and people that like the NBA, like myself, are sort of keeping an eye on what's happening in the NBL because you want to see these guys who are potentially going to go in the first round of the 2022 draft and, and just see what what they've got because a mm. lot of the websites and podcasts in the US are talking about these guys that are out here. Like there was a lot of talk about Josh Giddy last year, and that's where like now. you saw yeah. the Ringer and ESPN talking about these um, talking about Josh posting YouTube videos, NBL mm. clips. You know, even when Lamelo and RJ were in that draft class the the year before, 
the, the same thing was happening. So, yeah, there is a lot of attention on the NBL. I think basketball fans, like Aussie fans in particular that like the NBA and follow the NBA staunchly, mm. are keeping an eye on the NBL now. And I'm finding mm. I am more too. And yeah. like yeah. the Hawks with Brian Gorgian back there, they're good to... The Warriors have Justinian Jessup as one of their draft picks mm. that are in that's in the Hawks team. So yeah, I I, I like the I, I always support the Wollongong teams. Illawarra they had a win today. It was good. They've got some good young guys coming through. That have, uh, Duop Reese, who was in the Boomers squad over in Tokyo, he had a good game. He had 18 points, nine rebounds. I, I like the look of him. I think he's going to be a star for him this year. All right, um, we, and the um... Kings are playing at the moment, and they're looking good. Yeah, 39-30, the Kings are leading United and, and the Hawks uh, 81-71 over the 36ers. All right, buddy, I appreciate that. No, Luxy, um, enjoy the rest of your afternoon and maybe go over to the SCG and watch the Sixers play. We better get off to a break. Uh, Yeah, that's Evil Knievel. Why are you asking, why on earth are we playing Evil Knievel? Because I was throwing it out there to our listeners earlier on. What are some of the wow moments? You know, wow, as in Gussie would do. Gussie Gould, the wow moment. Is it wow? Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, well, Evil Knievel was very much a, a wow character. And, you know, no longer with us. Um, died a number of years ago. But uh, the things that he would attempt... Grand Canyon type jumps, but that Caesar's Palace jump, I was just doing a bit of research there and I did see Evil Knievel somewhere and I don't know where it was. I, I'm hazarding a guess it may have been at a Royal Easter show, but I can't guarantee that was right. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Maybe I was just dreaming it. But he was actually in Vegas um, to watch a fight. Uh, Dick Tiger, uh, watching him fight to defend his um, light heavyweight world titles. Uh, that was back in 1967. And while he was there, Evil Knievel, he saw the fountains at Caesar's Palace. And as you do, he thought, you know what? I should jump those fountains. I haven't been to Caesar's Palace. I haven't been to Vegas. Um, so then he, he 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 made a whole lot of fish, fictitious stuff up. He called himself a corporation, Evil Knievel, and he was trying to get the uh, get the ear or a sit down with the, the boss of the casino. Um and the, he created all sorts of sort of, well, white lies, you know, claiming to be from an American broadcasting ABC and Sports Illustrated. And then he had all these lawyers that he lined up. I've just been reading all this in, in the break uh, to get a seat, to sit down with the casino boss. And eventually he did. Um, and they agreed. Yeah, OK, go for it. Go for it. Do your best. Anyway, he was he was a bit nuts, I think, evil Knievel. But there you are. That's a wow moment. Uh, we're talking motorsport, and, and I've got to say, I reckon a lot of these drivers uh, around there, they're averaging about 160 clicks an hour, top speeds up around the 300. There's a couple of them now down Conrad Strait. Uh, and anyone that gets in a V8 supercar at this sort of pace or Formula One, I think you've got to have a, you've got a few nuts in your head, right? A few screws loose, I would have thought. Matty White is uh, joining us. 
uh, on the line and very, very shortly. He's in the car. I'm not saying Matty White's got a screw loose, by the way. I don't, not at all. Uh, you can tune in to Matty White too. Mornings, Monday to Friday here on SEN 1170. Uh, in a couple of weeks, though, you won't be able to because I'm actually filling in for Matty White during the morning. So he must be taking a break, a well-earned break as well, because he is as busy as a bee with uh, you know what. He's uh, been across uh, many, many, many um, V8s and, and Bathurst 1000s in his time um, as a broadcaster. So we're very fortunate to be able to have a chat to him. But as I say, he's in his car and he's uh, putting on his other hat at the moment. He's uh, going out to the SCG, going out there to, uh, to call some cricket for us. Busy man, knowledgeable man, and a very, very astute man and, and great sports broadcaster. Matty White is in his car being chauffeur-driven to the SCG. Good afternoon, sir. Hello, mate. I've actually just pulled up at the car park as we speak, so I found myself a slot. Uh, the James, the chauffeur, didn't have to uh, <laughs> didn't have to pull out the stops today. I, I drove myself. Oh, good, great stuff, mate. Thanks for taking <laughs> a bit of time out. I know, I know it's busy, and, and this is. Uh, I imagine you know you've got to work. We've all got to work, and you, you love what you're about to do out there at the SCG, calling the cricket. But you probably, if you're honest, you'd probably like to be sitting at home with a, a few cold <laughs> beers, watching this, wouldn't you, at the mountain? Yeah, there seems to be a, a really weird thing with me. I've, you know, all the years that I've worked on the coverage and commentated the race, when I do get a year where I'm, I'm not involved in it for one reason or another, yeah. um, I end up getting other stuff uh, thrown in front of me and I hardly get the chance to actually view yeah. it as a viewer, if you know what I mean. So, And yeah. that's, that's played out again today. So I've had a pretty busy day, but I've done the ultimate, you know, made sure I was there for the start. Had to race out and do some stuff, put up some Christmas lights, took my phone with me, had my iPad on um, left, right and centre while I was doing some research for tonight. And um, then I've just spent the last 30-odd minutes in the car listening to you talk to Brooksy, actually. So I got my full basketball download as well, which was good, but I have no idea what's happened at the mountain in the last 20 or 30 minutes. Well, Holdsworth is leading. Um, Luff yep. is in second place. Van Gisbergen is in third. Uh, and we've got 59 laps to go. Um, yep. okay. and, and as you know, yesterday, what Chaz Mostert did, I mean, that was quite, quite remarkable. I was talking to Matt McKeldin earlier on. I don't know if you caught any of that. He, he had a crash, pretty serious crash yesterday. Matt McKeldin, um, host of the driver's oh. seat here. Yeah. He's all right. Busted his shoulder. He's just sent me through uh, some vision of the crash and he's, he's lucky to be bloody talking. He's up on the mountain with the sponsors now though. He's all right. He's putting some ice on it. <laughs> so 50, <laughs> 58 laps to go. Um, but it was quite remarkable, Mostert, what he did yesterday, given the, um, given the demons that he's faced in, in previous years on the mountain. Well, he's had the ultimate highs and lows, hasn't he? And, um, you know, what he did yesterday and what they've been doing today with that car and what Lee's been doing as the co-driver is showing that the one thing, the first thing you absolutely need when you go to Bathurst is pace. You need speed to win that race. Now, it sounds like a weird thing, um, because it's a 1,000 kilometres, it's 161 laps and all sorts of stuff can happen. But at the end of the day, when push comes to shove in 59 laps time, you need a fast car. Now, they've shown that they've got a very fast car up there that can handle all the conditions. I don't know if you saw the tyre that delaminated while Chaz was in the car, and I thought mm. that was catastrophe. But what pace gave them in that scenario was a buffer. So he didn't lose too much time. Uh, I think he had about a 12 or 13 second lead at the time when the rear tyre started to go off. And instead of um, pushing it, pushing it, he just backed off coming down Conrod straight and, and made sure that he got back into the pits. The thing didn't blow on him. He didn't end up in the wall. So 
that's where you start to see the, the true pace of a car play its benefits on race day. When things go wrong, you've still got a bit of a buffer to make them go right. At the back end of the day, assuming everything's still going to be nice and straight for them, they will know that they've got a very fast car and Chaz will be uh, in the seat for that one. So that's number one, and they certainly showed that. I mean, his lap on uh, for the uh, pole position in, on the, in the shootout was just extraordinary. I, I've seen and commentated some laps up there. You don't do a time like that, Chris, unless you are willing to put it into the fence at every turn. Mm. Like, that's the, that's the reality of what he did. Sure, fast car, he gets it. He understands Bathurst. He knows the track. But you still have to be on that razor's edge every single every single turn on that six point two one three kilometres of the circuit. So mm. that one is is right up there with the very best you'll see. Well, Lee Holdsworth is at the wheel now, so Chaz is having a break, and and they are leading uh, with fifty seven laps to go. Van Gisbergen uh, is in second place, so he is at at the wheel, uh, Van Gisbergen. I guess what the fairy tale would be, and it's probably. Un- unrealistic in in some respects um, would be Jamie Wincup and and Craig Lowndes and uh, Wincup there as we speak Wincup's driving in in fifth position um, but it would be the ultimate fairy tale wouldn't it for for Jamie to to go out of full time racing with a Bathurst win yeah and a great way for the team to to tick off a number of things too Jamie's retiring from full time driving as you said he'll still be at Bathurst next year he's taking over ownership of the team. Roland Dane has been in charge of that team and has owned that team for a long time. Jamie, as of next year, will basically take over Roland's gig. So they're saying goodbye to one of the most, uh, well, the most winningest driver the sport Mm. has ever seen and one of the most influential owners that the sport has ever seen as well. So as long as they're in the top five and they're still there and their pace is still there, this is where you can't count Red Bull out at all. And I'm still of the opinion that Shane Van Gisbergen and Garth, Garth's now done his job, um, are the car to beat. Because whilst there's genuine raw pace in the Mostert Holdsworth car, you still have to use a lot of fuel to get that pace. Um, they, they just haven't arrived all of a sudden at Disneyland and found the magic mixture. Oh. Otherwise, they would have won every race. So you still have to use a lot of fuel. And Red Bull are very good at playing a long game. So I, I would expect Red Bull, as long as there's enough um, with Jamie to play with at the back end of the race. I'd expect Red Bull, especially Van Gisbergen's car, car 888 this weekend, normally 97, to be right there at the death of this one. So there's still a heck of a lot to play out. So like I mentioned, race speed is one thing. You've got to have it, and they've got mm. that. The other thing that you've got to have is a really good strategy and the ability to be able to make sure that you know how to use the fuel that you've got. And the third thing, and one of the key things, is the co-driver. Now, mm. Lee Holdsworth's done an amazing job. Garth Tander's done an excellent job. Lounsey's been there or thereabouts, and now it's back up to the main drivers as well. So all the pieces start to fall in place over the next well, probably two hours. Mm. Everything's got to fall into place, doesn't it, um, Matty? <laughs> you know, your planets have got to align. Every single thing has to has to really go your way, doesn't it, for you to come out victorious. And it doesn't take much for, for all that to go kaput. Well, that's the key. That's the thing about Bathurst. So you can go up there with everything everything um, that you want sorted. You can have all the preparation done no matter what. You can still have a super fast car, and then something will come out of left field. I mean, who would have seen Chas Mostert's rear tyre starting to delaminate? Now, there'll be a reason why that happened. 
but you just don't know what's going to happen around the corner. So whilst you might think that you've got everything falling your way, I don't reckon I've ever spoken to a driver in pit lane who said, you know what, on lap 158, Mm. we knew we had it. (laughs) They only know they've got it once they crawl across the finish line on lap 161, Mm. more than likely with, you know, less than a can of Coke's worth of fuel in the bottom of the bag. Well, yeah. And they sort of cough and splatter their way, their way across there. So you're right. You can be as prepared as you want. And, and at a normal racetrack, that'll probably get you up towards the top end. But this isn't a normal racetrack, and it's not a normal race. So you've got to be prepared for the variables which are going to come your way. And you just hope, mate, you hope that they don't take you out completely. Well, can because I... as long as you're on the lead lap at the back end, you're still in with a shot. You talk about preparing for the variables, and things can come out of left field, right? There's a safety car out there now, Matty, as we speak. You know why? <laughs> yes. Do you know why? Hit me with it. It's not, echid- a, it's not a beach umbrella. No, an echidna. An echidna. Well, there you go. On the track. There, there you go. There, mate, that says it all. You don't, want to, day- you don't want to puncture your tyres, so... <laughs> <laughs> or hurt the echidna. Oh, well, dear. the other day, there was, a, there was a beach umbrella that blew across into the chase during one of yeah. the support categories, and I was sitting there thinking, now, I've seen everything, but I don't reckon I've seen a beach umbrella stop a race before. And I can guarantee you I've never seen an echidna no. stop a race before or send the safety car out. So no. there you go. It, find me somewhere in anybody's book that had, right, checklist for Bathurst, <laughs> fuel driver, car, strategy, uh, uh, beware of echidnas. <laughs> I, think <laughs> it, I think it was an echidna. I don't know the difference, to be honest, with that and a porcupine. Spiky, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's saying safety car, and they're shooting. They're showing me this echidna, so I can only assume I'm, I'm, I'm joining the dots here A to B. You've been around motorsport for years, Matty. Uh, you've been on the mountain for years. You saw a lot of Peter Brock as well, nine-time champ, um, and, and he was the – and he's the king of the mountain. What If I asked you what would be your best Bathurst performance, what would it be? Which Who would it be and what year do you think? Oh, look, I can't go past, and, and you know, Brocky was quite clearly the king of the mountain for so many reasons. And you talk, I, I often talk about drivers that just get the place, that understand the place. Now, he um, did have an affinity with it. I've spent many, many, many times sitting down with Craig Lowndes talking about what Brocky meant to him. And so often Craig will relay the story about Peter would sit there and, and just off the top of his head, go through every single part of Bathurst. And that's how Craig Lowndes learnt Bathurst, by Peter Brock telling him, mm. you know what, when you get up to the top, you want to be here mm. underneath this part of the bridge and you want to be over there. And it took Lounsey a few goes, obviously, to get it like everybody else. So Brock was absolutely amazing. And what he did up there across so many years was incredible. But one of my favourite memories, um, especially from the commentary box, mate, was in 2003, the lap of the gods, Greg Mm. Murphy's shootout lap. Um, Neil Crompton and I were side by side in the commentary box. It it, It just all came down to that incredible moment. Now, moments in footy, happen really quickly, don't they? And and moments in most sports happen really quickly. This one takes over a couple of minutes. It goes over so many quite literally undulations and and all sorts of bumps and turns and weirdness along the way. But the lap that Murph pieced together that day had all the hallmarks of greatness from the start to the end, and it built towards it. And I, I just felt that at that moment, we could understand, I think, personally, I could understand probably for the first time 
what was really going to occur in front of us because in motorsport you don't really know until it happens mm. so that lap built and built and built and it was a lap like no other that nobody had ever seen before the entire pit lane came out as murph went back down pit lane the opposite way after the shootout they all came out he swung his door open they were applauding they knew that they'd seen something very special and mm. now we see times like that over and over again but the lap of the gods for me um, was one of the incredible, certainly the, the incredible moment from the commentary box. And I, I said in the commentary, and I still don't know why, I said he has released the shackles from car 51 and gone straight to the top of the Bob Jane uh, T-Marts 1000. And Murph said to me years later, he said, where did release the shackles come from? And I said, bug it if I know, mate. But it just felt to me like that car had broken free like nobody else had seen on that mountain. Wow. Mate, lovely to talk to you. I'll quickly talk a bit of quick, but that, just back on that echidna, I've just seen another replay here, mate. Have you, did you used to play, you're about my age, um, Frogger? Yeah. You know, Frogger, where you got to cross yeah. the road. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, picture the echidna going did across. Con, yeah, Conrod Strait made it with about 12 or 8 or 14 cars passing him and almost went, went under the middle of one oh, of them oh. and got to the other side. Oh. <laughs> Poor little fella. Well, there's, there's, there's your news item tonight. What that does, though, in terms of the race is it compresses the field. If the safety car has been out there, that compresses the field. So if Lee, if Lee Holdsworth and Chaz Mostert's car had a 10 or 15-second lead, that lead's now evaporated, which means that Van Gisbergen's going to be right on their tail. He's up on top now, Van Gisbergen. Mostert's second, Wind Cup go. third. There you go. Hey, you're out to the cricket. You're there already. I bet you're excited about the big bash coming up. It's going to be cricket, 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 non-stop cricket. Yeah, um, yeah it's awesome. It's going to be great. And look, there's a, I mean, it, there's a few clouds around, but I reckon we'll get through the night. Um, I hope so. Here's, there's some storylines in this you know, can can the Sixers make it a three-peat? Melbourne Stars, they've got all the stars, but they've never had the trophy. Yeah. Sean Abbott's a really good story. I found out this today. Sean Abbott's mm. going to play tonight. Now, we thought that he was going to be unavailable because he's up there as part of the Australia A squad, but his partner is due to give birth any minute. Right. So he's, he's quite literally had to come back to be part of that. And while he's here, he said, well, I'll play. So I was told today that the team manager will have his phone um, throughout the course of the match. And if he gets the call, he'll be going. So that could happen tonight. All right. All right, mate. I appreciate it, Matty. Um, and you're on mornings next week coming up, but then you take a week off, don't you? Because I'm filling in. So where are you, what are you doing? Well, mate, I, I've got Monday and Tuesday to finish off my year. Then the ashes kick in. Uh, and then I'll be, I'll be coming on back and starting afresh at the start of next year. Well, it's been a great year, mate. I've enjoyed uh, all the morning. So um, enjoy the rest of, of what you're doing and, and, and have a good call tonight. Good on you, mate. Thanks. Great stuff. There is Matty White of Mornings here on SEN 1170. And uh, great to pick the brain of someone that's been there so many times out there at Bathurst. Um, and that safety car, yeah, it's still out there. So it is compressed the field, as, as Matty was pointing out there, um, because of a, well, not a porcupine, an echidna. I don't know if you saw it or if you have seen it. I'm, I'm not kidding you. How this echidna, and you know how slow they, do they crawl? They walk. How many legs have they got? I don't know. But it moved. they got four, have they? It moved across the track ever so slowly. And I don't know if a few of the drivers were swerving to, to miss it. I think others just didn't even know what it was. And it got there. It got from one side to the other without getting squished. So you just never, never know, do you, what's coming your way at the, the Bathurst 1000. Keep those text messages coming through. I'll get through as many as I can. Uh, before we do go off air, we're here until uh, till five o'clock. 
736 is the uh, the text line. Uh, Paramat says, love the track at Mount Panorama. Can highly recommend anyone to take the track at any time. Uh, respect the 60k an hour. It's a challenge for you in the traditional directions. Um, stop, turn around and do it in the reverse direction. Um, lots of fun. Paramat. Thank you, Paramat. Thanks for listening to the show as well. Uh, this one here, uh, <laughs> very good. Uh, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Again, that's Paramat, Sports Central. And wonderful to have your company. Hope you're enjoying your Sunday afternoon, 5th of uh, December. And, uh, well, plenty on, isn't there? Plenty on. So the safety car has been out at Bathurst with 53 laps to go um, because of a, uh, a porcupine. What are you laughing at? I still can't believe that. It's the weirdest thing. What's I've ever the difference seen? between a porcupine and an echidna? I don't, uh, is, is there it, any? I thought porcupine was an American term. I think it is. Why am I saying it then? It was an echidna. Is it echidna? Yes. I, I, think, kid, I, kid, I kid you not. As I according <laughs> to Paramat, you've got to be echidna me. Echidna me. Yeah. Um, I cannot believe that the echidna made it from one side of the track to the other side in one piece. I cannot believe it. And I don't know if the drivers even saw it. Surely they must have. I don't know. Or was it just luck? Luck. Luck of the gods. Um, the echidna, little fella. Or girl? Don't know. How do you tell the sex of an echidna? Don't know, but I'm just glad to well, see I that. Get, echidna... get, there, is a, there is a way to do it, do it. but I don't want to handle it. We're, we're, just, we're happy that that echidna is okay. Would it be okay? No. Would it spike the tyres? No, I think no. the echidna would come off second best. Yes. All right, surely. Uh, we're talking about some great sporting moments, some wow moments over the years, and, and a lot of that um, chat, and thank you to all of our texts, uh, listeners that have sent messages through. Oh, by the way, uh, the judge is asking, where is Casper Ware? We were talking some NBL and NBA earlier on today, and I'll give you a score update too once we get out of this break with the Kings. They're playing uh, Melbourne at Kudos Bank Arena. They're winning, I think, quite they're, comfortably. They're by double digits, Chris. And we are talking about the Hawks earlier. Where is Casper Ware? He's in He's Russia. He's in Russia now. Russia. So there you go, Judge. He's over in Russia. Um, we were also asking before, I was asking before um, any league fans out there, if Melbourne Storm say, see you later, alligator, to uh, Brandon Smith, which could happen. They are saying they will not, and he will be there next year. But if they were to say, there's the door, don't let it hit you on the way out, would you like Brandon Smith at your club for 12 months? Because you know he's going to the Roosters in 2023. You know how good a player he is. But what comes with Brandon Smith? Is there is there baggage? But that aside, because of his ability, um. Would you like him at your club on a 12-month stopgap period? Just like, yeah, not a one-night stand, but just a, a short-term affair before you move on, before he moves on to the Roosters. Send those texts through 0457 736 736. Uh, I've got one here from Jeff. Uh, he says, no 12 months guns for hire, exclamation mark. I want blokes um, with their hearts in it. Go the Sharks and uh, the power. Okay, thank you, uh, 
Jeff from South Australia. Oh, that, that explains it. I'm thinking, who are the power? Port Adelaide. All right, mate. Thanks, Jeff. Must be listening on the SEN app. Uh, if you are listening on the SEN app, send me a send me a note. Say good day. Keep me company. It's coming up to, uh, what is it, 26 minutes past four. We've got a bit over half an hour uh, still to go here and still got a lot to get through as well. I was saying earlier, we've been asking for those wow moments. And this came on the back of Chas Moss, it's uh, fastest ever lap at Bathurst yesterday. Uh, he's in the car at the moment, by the way, driving, and he'll be finishing it off. And uh, he's in second position, Mostert, behind Van Gisbergen. And guess who's third? Jamie Wincup. My God, we're going to have a good finish here on the mountain. But what Mostert did yesterday, the fastest ever lap, incredible. That was a wow moment, in, wow. My, in my opinion. Wow. Gus Gould wow. for Gus, yeah. Gus thought it was a wow moment. And what Ajaz Patel did yesterday was undoubtedly a, a wow moment. Whether you're into your cricket or not, let me just explain this if you, you haven't caught up with it. Now I might get you, Justin, to uh, get me that score too, heading into day three of that second test, India and New Zealand. But Patel, um, will sound like an Indian, he is, he is Indian born, but he's a New Zealand spin bowler. And he became just the third player in history to take 10 wickets in a test match innings. Uh, one of the others was Anil Kumble. So uh, Patel is actually born in Mumbai, this left-arm spinner, and he finished with the figures of 10 for 119 against India, played in Mumbai, Mumbai, right? You with me? But 10 wickets, he took them all, the whole lot. No one else needs to take a wicket. He took them all. Quite remarkable, quite remarkable what, he, what he's done. Um, and then another wow moment on the same day, about an hour after lunch on day two of that, that match, New Zealand were then, you know, they were celebrating uh, Patel's achievements. But then an hour after tea, so what, two or three hours later, or two hours, they were skittled all out for 62. I know, 62. That's the lowest innings total ever recorded in a test match in India. I know, wow, I know, right? I'm hearing you. And then it got me thinking, what other wow moments in sport? And, I mean, that's a feeble, feeble innings. It's 62. And I thought, well, what are some of the lowest scores? What's ours? And ours is even lower, isn't it? 47? 47 in 20, I think it was 2015 at Trent Bridge. But don't forget the one in South Africa. I'm thinking South Africa. What am I thinking? 43? 43, yes. In, I think it was oh, Joburg. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. Give the game away. Did we really? 43? Yep. Yeah. And So where did 47 come from? I pulled that out of my Kyber. I think that was that, that was that was Trent Bridge, but I definitely remember the True? South. Yep, I definitely remember the South African. Wasn't seventy four? Was it? No, not seventy four. Oh Lord. Okay, so we we shouldn't talk, should we? It can happen. But when they scored three twenty five, how did New Zealand score only sixty two? Anyway. Can you give us the updates so they're heading to day three? Have you got that there on your app? You're putting yep. your hand up. That yes. means you have. Yes, I do. So India lead New Zealand by 385 runs with three wickets remaining, and they are currently two for 122. And if you want to listen to that game, Chris, that's on the SEN app by the SCNZ crew. There you go. There you go. Good plug. Nice. Like it. So cricket over there on SEN app, mm. yes. And then here on 1170 mm. uh, later on tonight. Uh, what time does that start? Six, it's on, isn't it? it? No, it's on now on the SEN app. You listen to No, like, I mean the Sixers. Or the Sixers game's at six. Coverage starts. Oh, well, it has six. to be, of course. That's why they call it the Sixers, right? Is that what you're saying? Yes, Chris. Right. Okay. 
And we're here till five. Right. So where was I going? Okay. No, what I think we should do, because we haven't done it, we've had four and a half hours to do it. So together we should collectively pull our fingers out and just go back and, and relive that magic, really. Ten wickets in one innings. New Zealand's Indian-born spin bowler, Ajaz Patel. Oh, is it out this time? He's got the wicket, Ajaz Patel. So that mistake doesn't cost anything for New Zealand. He's bowled really well and finally reaps the reward. Yeah! Oh, what a delivery. One ball, he gets a reprieve. The next ball, he gets the man. He could be the best batsman. Oh, is there? No, it's been given. Pitching in line, impact in line, and wicket sitting. That's out. That's a little edge onto the pad, and then the keeper just pops up straight to Blundell. Jazz Patel has his fourth. The partnership now broken. Oh, yes. Comes straight back. Straight on, no turn. Height is the only issue, but it was given. Six straight past the edge of Ashwin. He's got to review it, but it's Boldham. Oh, this time there's an edge. There is an edge. 150 and given out. He's going to go as well. He knows it. Not even going to review. There was a little edge. Jazz has now got the first seven. Again, a strong appeal from everyone. Pitching outside off. Impact outside, wicket sitting in the air, and it's gone straight to Rachin Ravindra. So, the ninth wicket for India, and the ninth wicket to Ajaz Patel. Can he get all 10? Oh, that's gone very high. Rachin Ravindra takes it. So, it's all 10 for Ajaz Patel. What a day for him! Oh, it's been outstanding. Not an easy catch. Only the third bowler in the history of Test cricket to get 10 wickets after Jim Laker and our very own Anil Kumle. Can he get 10? Of course he can. Of course he can get 10. Just uh, amazing. Uh, AJS Patel there, uh, 10 wickets for New Zealand. So just recapping that, though, it was pretty much all in vain, though. Uh, New Zealand might as well just throw the towel in and or wave the white white flag. You're not allowed to do that but because um, they only got 62. So India first innings, 325. Uh, Patel with uh, 10 wickets for New Zealand. In reply, New Zealand, 62. And India now, at the moment, 2 for 127. Uh, 2 for 127. So a lead... Um, this is on day three, first session over there in Mumbai. They lead by 390 runs. Good luck to the Black Caps. And uh, as Justin was pointing out, you can listen to that on, on the SENZ app. Um, but then you'd have to take your attention away from us, which you can do. Of course you can do that uh, if, if you choose to. Mountain, we've got, uh, what have we got? 114 laps are gone. Um, 114 laps have gone. So all the, the lead drivers pretty much are back in, in the seat, back behind the wheel. Uh, so that climax is, is probably a, an hour or two away uh, yet. And uh, I imagine you start getting, oh, there's a bit of a collision there with uh, the Red Bull car uh, in pit lane too. But everything everything counts. As I was saying with Matty White earlier, you really do have to have um, bloody everything. Everything go right for you on the day. 
um, don't you, over there. Just on cricket too, and I'll, I'll keep those text messages coming through, guys. Um, I think you picked this up on a mistake there, which is great because that's what we hear. We're here and we're accountable. We like to be right or at least correct and accurate. And if we don't want to be misleading anyone, I'll get to that text in a moment. But just back on the cricket. So uh, the Aussie Test team has been named for the first Ashes Test at the Gabba, which begins on Wednesday. And no real surprises, as we read, as we expected, um, Mitchell Stark and Travis Head have uh, both been uh, given the nod, so to speak. So, Marcus Harris and David Warner will open. Manus Labuschagne, uh, Steve Smith, Travis Head bats at five head. Cameron Green, the the, the number six all-rounder. Alex Carey uh, making his debut at the, the age of, I think, 30. Um, Pat Cummins is the captain, the newly installed captain. Mitch Stark, Nathan Lyon and Josh Hazelwood. So, uh, there you go. We know that now. Uh, that is all locked in. So, the guessing games, um, they can all... Cease. We didn't know who was going to keep. We didn't know who was going to be captain. We didn't know who was going to be vice captain. Uh, We didn't know who was going to be number five. There were some thoughts that Stark might be on his way out. And Jai Richardson handed a start. But now we know all. The only question uh, left unanswered at the moment is um, where the bloody hell are we playing the fifth test? We should know by now, really, shouldn't we? Still a lot to play out in that. Um, and it'd be nice in Tasmania, but I think we've got to go for the bigger crowd. And if money talks, which it does, um, you'd have to probably think the MCG. Although I think they do want um, a day-night test would be better for the broadcasters, another pink ball test. Don't you think Chris will interfere with the Australian Open? No, why? No, because I thought, because if you've got that fifth test, well, actually, no, they're right. They'll finish a week beforehand. You oh, no, even if, mate, even if it is, um, even if they did overlap, oh, they always say they're the, the mecca of sport. Don't they? they're, the, they're the capital of sport, sports capital in the world, Melbourne, Victoria. I, I don't think it'd be a problem if they went hand in hand, but I don't think they do overlap anyway. But, um, oh, look, I'd love to see it at the SCG, but whether we can have a... Um, a second pink ball test that probably hinges on it. Tasmania, so they can. I, if I was England, I would they would say want, yes. Yeah. yeah, they would want one. I would have thought. It's sort of, um, it's sort of like you know, rain and, and bad inclement weather is a bit of an equaliser, a bit of a leveller in some sports, isn't it? They say, and I think the pink ball it does a bit of the same, doesn't it? it do, you watch those uh, if you day, can see it, find like- it. Day night test matches at Adelaide, the ball just absolutely swings big time. And we saw that when the first one was Australia New Zealand. Mm. Remember that test match? That thing New Zealand were all out. I was listening to an interview with uh, Chris Rogers, former opener, Aussie opener, uh, talking to Vossi, I think he was. We actually replayed that on, oh, I can't remember what it was, Friday night maybe. And he's colourblind. So he had no idea when pink ball, he couldn't play pink ball. I don't think he would have. Would he? No, he wouldn't have played a pink ball test, Chris Rogers. But he, that was a real problem for him. Can you imagine? That's scary. An opening batsman being um, colourblind. Around the grounds we go, or the courts we go, or the boards we go. Update from the NBL. Sydney Kings are in action at the moment, playing Melbourne United, who are the reigning champs. Reigning champions, Chris, and they're trailing by nine. We've got Matthew Delavadova on the court. So the Kings lead 77-68 with 3.27 left to go. 
Dylan Vadovo, isn't he a, a draw card then, huh? It's a good crowd there this afternoon at Kudos Bank Arena. Well, we spoke to their boss yesterday, their chief exec. I don't know what crowd they were expecting, around 10,000. 10, 10, 10, 10, yeah. I've never been to an NBL game. There you go. A few things I haven't done in my life. I bet I'll up, huh? It's a family fun event. I can guarantee it. Well, I, I bet I'll up <laughs> for a check out. Huh? What are you laughing at? It happens to all of us. One day. I'm, I'm expecting that one day to happen to me, Chris. It will. I can guarantee you, as sure as taxes and, and being and compulsory local council voting, mm. you will depart one day. All right? You just got to be okay with it. There's no, You can't avoid it. Nope. No. I know. Oh, play that poor violin music again. I mean, now we're just really starting to get a bit sad. Oh, I don't. I know. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, it's just part of life, right? It's part of life. Part of life. Part of life. Anyway, come on. Cheer thing. Cheer. Cheer. Liven things up a bit, shall we? Uh, g'day, Wa. Uh, I've got another text coming through here. Oh, Bondi Jack. He'll, he'll liven things up, hopefully, or he might put me in my place. No, Wa. Our innings in South Africa was 47, not 43. Okay. I remember line came on at uh, 9 for 21 and they put on 26. Uh, I think the innings in England was 60. Bondi, Jack. All right. And, uh, oh, no, he's repeated it. Hang on. 47 was South Africa. After we, yeah. Cheers, Mark from Chrome. 47 was South Africa. Cheers, they're quick to pick us up, aren't they? Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Bondi. Or Jack, as you prefer to be called. Um, no, that's good. If we get it wrong, let us know. I didn't get it wrong. You got it wrong, didn't you? I can cop it. Because I didn't know. I can cop that. Mm. But you know what? I, I don't know everything. I'm first to put both of my hands up. If I was an octopus, I'd put all eight hands up. If I don't know something, I'll, I'll let you know. I'm not going to bluff my way through um, and, and sound like I, I'm an expert when I'm not. Because I tell you what, you try and do on that in this business, you will get found out. You know what I mean? It happens. Let's go uh, some football updates for you, soccer scores. Uh, why don't we rattle through the A-League firstly, then I'll do the, uh, the English Premier League, what's happened overnight there. Uh, let's go back to the start of round three. Uh, the Wanderers uh, defeated Wellington 2-0. That was in Wollongong on Friday, wasn't it? Then last night, we had the three games yesterday. Brisbane, Raw and Adelaide United, nil all, uh, being played at uh, Morton Daly Stadium in Redcliffe. So that's Brisbane. They pick up their first point of the season. Melbourne City went down uh, at Amy Park, so at home against Western United. Um, they were coming off a two-all draw with Adelaide, the reigning champs. That's their first loss of the season, though. So Western United won Melbourne City nil. Sydney FC, they led 2-0, didn't they, at Cogra over, over Newcastle Jets at halftime. And the Jets fought their way back. There was a little bit of drama, I believe, in the back end of it. And you were out there at that match, weren't you, Justice of the Peace? Um, bit of VAR action. So two all, they share the points. Is that about the right result? Right result, but geez, I'm from a Sydney FC fan perspective, they, I, I look like they're in the world of trouble. Sounds like it. The Sky Blues, they're still winless then after three rounds. And a couple of games on this afternoon, one of which is in action as we speak. That's out there at Penrith at Panthers Stadium. MacArthur FC taking on the Central Coast Mariners. Yeah, Chris, currently in 35-minute mark. It's currently nil all between both the sides. Okay, and uh, then later on, uh, Melbourne Victory are playing Perth Glory, which we'll see um, 
Victory head coach Tony Popovich. Uh, yep, he's been at a few clubs. I think Western Sydney. Well, they were great, the Wanderers, when when he was there. But Popper takes on or faces his former side uh, for the first time, uh, Glory. So uh, we won't be able to keep you across that one because we will be out of here. Uh, but we'll keep you up to date with those scores, uh, the Mariners and MacArthur FC currently nil all. Uh, quickly, the English Premier League games overnight and things have changed uh, quite dramatically over there. Uh, just two points separated the top three teams going into the weekend, but uh, it's been all turned around now. Uh, I'll just go through, uh, get the table there for you, but um, West Ham, West Ham beat Chelsea 3-2. Um and then Man City, they had a 3-1 win over Watford. Liverpool beat Wolves 1-0. Newcastle defeated Burnley 1-0 as well. I haven't got the table in front of me, but uh, hopefully I can rely on my um, sort of almost photographic memory. What that does, it moves uh, Melbourne City, uh, Manchester City rather, now to the top of the table. They've got a, uh, a one-point break. Manchester City at the top of the EPL. Um, and you've got it in seconds position now would be Liverpool. Liverpool second, Chris. Chelsea. One point back and then Chelsea in third, one point further back. So things can change dramatically, can't they, uh, in the English Premier League. It's 18 minutes to five. Yeah, round the grounds we go. Chris Warren with you up until five. So we are certainly into uh, into the Conrad, Conrad straight, aren't we? Um, to the mountain we go. Dave Reynolds is the outright leader at the moment. Dave Reynolds, he won this event, didn't he, um, a couple of years ago or more? Uh, 2017? 2017, Chris, with um, Luke Yildon. Luke Yildon. So they're together again. Um, they know the track, obviously. They know how to win. So they are in the lead at the moment. But uh, the pole sitter, uh, fastest in qualifying, Chaz Mostert, is uh, right on the right on the backside. Of uh, of Reynolds, so uh, this is how long we got to go. Forty four laps. It's still a long, a long, long way to go in that one. We've been asking you, and thank you to uh, all of our listeners who have um, had the time or the inclination or the desire to send us in a text message on your wow moments. Some of the great moments in sport that have made you go wow. Uh, one of them, and I was there. Uh, Jonathan Thurston. Do you remember the Cowboys winning their maiden premiership? Morgan crosses the 20, comes away to O'Neill, gets the ball, Felder scored, Felder scored in the corner, look at the box, it's a try. Well if you don't believe in fairy tales, we might see the giant fairy tale of all time, here right now with Thurston, a kick from the sideline to win a premiership for the Cowboys. It looks to me as Oz taking the steel work. What else can this grand final provide? Wow. The most dramatic grand final that I can remember. So, from right to left, the Cowboys. Oh! Oh, Hunt is knocked on. The first grand final golden point. Thurston to choose from with Coote. He hits it. He's got it. He's got the field goal. He's got the premiership. He has gone from a captain to a legend and probably rugby league immortality. Absolutely. Great call, uh, Rabs. And Thurston from the sideline. I was there. I was on the sideline. He was almost sitting on my lap. 
as he uh, went for that conversion from way, way out and uh, hit the paintwork and missed it. Uh, what a grand final uh, the Cowboys made in Premiership. This is Sports Central. It's 10 to 5. 41 laps to go on the mountain. The Bathurst 1000, 41 laps to go. And the pole sitter, um, or the fastest qualifier, Chaz Mostert, he's out in front. Uh, narrowly ahead of Dave Reynolds. So uh, a long way still to go in that one. Uh, That's about it for us. Um, Thanks to everyone that's been involved in the program. Uh, Coming up, uh, we've got the best of Joel and Fletch, and that will be followed by the Big Bash League. It's the Sydney Sixers taking on the Melbourne Storm at the SCG. And uh, Dougie Bollinger will be in commentary with Matt White leading proceedings then. I'll be filling in for Matty White, uh, not next week, but the week after that, until I talk to you again Keep smiling. Take care. Bye for now.